Hello and welcome to Everyday Tunnel number 134, your favorite, most susceptible named bi weekly legacy podcast. Today's show is brought to you by our brand new Patreon. <laughs> you will need to learn how to do that. I can't do it anymore. Today's by show our- is brought to you by our brand new patrons, Dominic Munfer. Awesome. If you want to support the running of the show directly, you can support us on patreon.com slash Tunnel. Dude, I'm so glad you're here. Uh, otherwise, I would have been very, very lonely. But actually, it's not only me. It's actually two Brits who have entered the, the podcast tonight. Because We're Kai, over. What, what actually happened to Kai? He, it says rip, rest in peace. Um, yeah, I mean, there definitely wasn't English assassins going into his room last night. I yeah, I mean, he's living in Berlin. Like, he's probably like dealing with some Berlin. No, seriously, like Kai is going to be back next week. Hopefully, we figured it out. But tonight we are joined by none other than Andy Fernandez. Andy, we talked about you a lot last week, I believe, uh, as the creator of so many amazing legacy decks. Like, like by now, I can't even recite all of them. Andy, how's it going? Uh, it's going well. Thanks for having me. Where do we go from here? <laughs> we, usually <don't, laughs> we usually don't introduce the guest first. Like I was totally confused. Yeah, I was so true. thrown off by the intro. <laughs> this is already all over the place. I'm loving it. Nice. Seriously, no. Um, uh, Callum messaged me today. We were talking, like we were brainstorming about what we were going to do. This episode didn't really have a good title. And then all of a sudden, like Callum went ahead and did amazingly well in a bunch of tournaments. And we were like, you know what? Why don't we just like get another person on who does really well at tournaments? And this is this is how Andy came into the cast. So... To to try something I've always wanted to do and I always fail at is uh, to quickly sum up what we're going to talk about. Dude, this is, this is already the worst intro we've ever done. <laughs> well, the, for the intro, we always ramble on for ages. So That's without true. Kai, we can we can uh, pretend what Kai's been up to. He's been sitting in bed with a cold, I think. For me, this past weekend, I played a lot of Magic Online. I, I uh, played the Saturday Challenge. And we'll, we'll go into them later, but I played the Saturday Challenge and then I wasn't going to play the Showcase Challenge. I was helping my parents move house. And then we got that done really fast. And so I was like, you know what? If I left right now and was really fast, I'm going to get back five minutes before it starts. So, um, yeah, we'll talk about that a bit later. But awesome. um, you had a really, really good weekend as well, right? You played some Magic or went to a Magic tournament? Yeah, I was also sitting like at a Magic tournament. And I was like, dude, if I go home now, I could make it into a showcase challenge. But then I didn't. So, yeah, two, two painter players, two different ideas. <laughs> I was at the Etc. Magic Tournament. I didn't get to play. I was playing with my nieces in the in the morning, so I only joined in the afternoon to watch and take a couple of pictures. And, yeah, we got a turnout of 46 players at so Etc. Good. 46 it's, is amazing. It's great. It's one of it, the better ones. I think we've sometimes had, like, over 50, but 46 okay. is definitely one of the better. We even had 50 new faces, like 15 people. Who have never played this etc before so it's growing like crazy that's what you want like when again I'll, I'll compare it to our london events like we have our old faithful that are always coming but the most the ones that i like the best are like the ones that have newer players and you know they learn about it and they're like they have a good time and say oh i'm gonna come back next time etc so that's great yeah yeah and I, I remember like at the end where we were just like sitting there and, and then having dinner and everything so many people came by and just said hey dude, guys this is this is just like the greatest event in southern germany uh we'll take it <laughs> we don't know if it's true there's a couple of other great events in southern germany as well and something i also liked somebody i think who didn't finish very highly in the tournament like rather towards the, the low end of the standings and i believe she told one of the guys this is just like one of the chillest best tournaments uh she has ever played it and was like yeah cool this is just like you know when when even the people who don't do well feel like great about the tournament and want to come back it's, mm-hmm. it's just like it makes the whole experience all that much more wholesome 100 percent. i've had that from uh one guy stands out who's had a similar thing i was kind of like whenever i'm actually for the elm invite llm 
I wasn't playing. I was just kind of spectating and stuff. So make sure it all ran as smooth as ever. And um, there was a guy on the bottom tables and he was just having time of his life. And I was watching the match. He was playing like old school Grixis Control and Colligan's Commands and et cetera, et cetera. And I talked to him afterwards and we were like kind of gushing about how much we liked the deck. And he was like, yeah, man, I'm 2-4, but having the time of my life. I'm like, too far is fine. Like, if one yeah. more win, it's basically 50 50. <laughs> one more win? I'm going to question your maths there. <laughs> cool. Yeah. So, that, that's what I did yesterday. Nice. Uh, I, afterwards, I, I still wanted to play, right? So, I jumped into Magic Online and I was like, hey, we don't have any kind of content. I'm just going to like rip off a, a 5 0 <laughs> with Painter, and that's going to be the main topic of the episode. And, like, look at this guy, right? I, I get the 5 0. Callum gets the, what was it, like 9 0 in the Smiths or something. And, and then, like, the six and oh or something in, in the Swiss in the previous day this is you're crazy man yeah so i did well in the challenges i top eight to both which we, we, can... we talk about that so yeah. yeah cool so yeah first of all and um, we're going to go over the cetera tournaments then we're going to talk to andy because andy is actually like an amazing amazing deck builder haven't i mentioned that yet andy i'm sorry i'm really <laughs> not doing you any justice <laughs> <laughs> we're going to talk about not only naya stompy but especially naya stompy we received a lot of questions from you mainly from I think Callum's friends, as well as Discord, who are, of course, also all Callum's friends, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. And then we're going to go over over all the paintings that Callum has done over the weekend on Magic Online. But before we go into that, very quickly, something was pointed out to me. Daybreak Games, who have taken over the running of Magic Online, basically, they re- released their first list of 5.0 lists, and they literally released every 5.0 list. What do you There's... think about that? I'm gonna step in and say there's something up. Um, so there was a thing a few days ago where Standard they posted like 80% of the lists were all like mono blue tempo, which is a deck in Standard. And if you um, go onto the link you've put in our show notes for like quote unquote all the five O's, there's not a single Delver deck. So yeah, that's I... weird, right? I didn't. I, I actually wanted to see them. And then when I couldn't find Delva, I think I next thing I looked for was like Lightning Bolt or something, which is not exactly the smartest thing, I guess. But yeah, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say that Delva got a 5-0 in a league the last week. It's crazy, I know, but <laughs> I have a feeling it did. So I think Daybreak is just having a bit of trouble moving stuff over. There's also been like lists and uh, placings are wrong. So for the challenges this weekend... I was top of the Swiss both times, and it says I came first both of them. But uh, spoiler, I lost both quarterfinals. So, um, but it's, it says I'm first on both of them. But it's just the Swiss standings. And I mean, if the overlords say you're first, then you should demand first prize payout. <laughs> my my MTG goldfish looks pretty good. <laughs> but, um... Honestly, seriously, like if if you sent this to their support system and you're like, you know what, uh, I only received like this eighth place prize, <laughs> mm. and here's a link. It's gonna confirm I won the tournament. I have a feeling they'll look into it and uh, be like, <laughs> shut up. Um, <laughs> there's another weird thing going on where. Uh, McQuinn Source noticed this. His list that got posted for a top 32 in the Showcase Challenge yesterday had a few cards different than what he actually played. And he has proof because he surgicaled himself mid-match um, against Reanimator because they tried to reanimate his thing. So... I guess you could also see more sideboarding, but sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> true, true. But um, anyway, my point is they, like the, they're moving everything over from the what's he servers and there's a bit of a mess. So... Okay, gotta, gotta okay. Got to be patient with that. 
So what you're telling me is you actually didn't nine all the showcase challenge. It's just like mm, one eight, you know. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> something like that. But yeah. cool. Yeah, we're we'll keep an eye out for that because if they actually end up posting all the five and all lists, I think we're gonna get still not the best overview of of leaks. Um, there's this controversy about like oh Java is like nine percent. No, Java is twenty five percent. Well, it's clearly zero percent at the moment. Right now it's unplayable. <laughs> it's over. <laughs> yeah. it's the ban. Yeah. Who needs a ban? Like let's uh, unban Dreadful Darkness and Ragavan. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we'll see about that. So yeah, first of all, let's quickly go into what's happened at etc. Dude, that was amazing. Like, if you if you go to a tournament and you you don't even get to play, like I, I initially just wanted to hang around for like a round or two, take a couple of pictures, and that was it. But in the end, I think I stayed for something like four and a half rounds. We played six rounds altogether, and I watched so many amazing decks. And one of the reasons uh, is. Nah, uh, I, I keep going back to the Stompy, dude. I, I need this is just like <laughs> I, I can't wait to talk about this. But no, but seriously, like um, maybe quickly go over the results. First place, Andreas Rating. First time playing playing Blue Red Diver took down the tournament. I asked him afterwards how he feels about it, and he literally told me this Merc Tech card is ridiculous. You need to ban this <laughs> dragon. It doesn't make any sense. <laughs> yeah. It was just like, he had so much fun with the card in the tournament. I watched a couple of his matches and he was like up against a better skull and everything. And he was just like, lol, dragon. Brutal. <laughs> I did have a, it was fun to watch, like, but it was so brutal. I'd had, I played a game in one of the matches yesterday where they had like two DRC star or something and loads of baubles so by turn four they played three Merktides and like grown all the other ones it was just like mental yeah. or maybe looking, turn four sorry yeah I'm looking at the list right now it's pretty straightforward oh two pyroblasts is usually like somewhat more uncommon in, in smaller tournaments but I guess yeah we, we talked about like do you even like yeah. sideboard for the, uh, three maddening hex in the sideboard dude this list is actually that's, geared towards our meta game that's crazy because Andreas, he's very clocked into like he play doesn't play Magic Online much, but he's very clocked into what's current and what's top and stuff. So I would expect him to be playing like two Pyroblasts and stuff. But how do you, how do you know Andy so well? I've met him loads of times. You, li events. you literally know everybody. This is, this, this is actually <laughs> I've known Andy for like over ten years. It's like a local player, but who also like had, had aspirations and and once even went to the Pro Tour and everything. But, but yeah, you, I've met him at MKMs and stuff. Well, awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just like trying to blown away. Awesome. Anyway, three three Madney Hex is quite a statement. Um, I haven't seen that before. Like I've seen, like I think Delva started with two when it first kind of dropped and stuff, and then they have moved away slowly. Sometimes you see one, but the cards kind of fallen off. It's not as good as people thought, I think. But three is now just like yeah, I'm not losing to combo. Yeah, pretty much. Another card I'm actually seeing in Cyport that I literally just had to look up on Scryfall is Smash to Dust. Do, do you know what that card does? I do. It's the new one, right? It's one in the red. You can either destroy an artifact to deal, or deal one damage to all creatures. Or destroy target creature with defender. Oh, I'm so oh, <laughs> I'm sorry. Fruits, man. How Get could I here. miss that? What is what is the most playable defender creature in Legacy? Uh, is it Water Fruits? Andy, help us here. <laughs> Andy's actually the one trying to say, yeah, sure. <laughs> no, I'm not sure. There's probably like something amazing. You know, if you up. if you know what the most playable defender creature on Magic on uh, in Magic in Legacy is, hit us up on Twitter at EternalMTG and let us know. Also, let us know on the Discord because that's probably why he's playing these cyborg cards. <laughs> and yeah, <laughs> the oppressiveness of the walls, like yeah, yeah, pretty, that must be it. Uh, I I wonder. Maybe maybe we can eventually overcome it. But, but if cool you got something one. better than Wall of Roots, definitely let us know. That's yeah. a lot of artifact hate between two smashes and two meltdowns. Yeah. Yeah. The smash is cool. It's the destroying artifact is a it's a nice modal spell. Um 
like the meltdown i guess is for the eight for eight cast and then smash you probably bring in just because it kills chalice and it can like clear some thopter tokens but it's not great outside of that i feel like these damage based sweepers have just like reached a point where they have to deal three damage to kill dragon rage channeler though like i do see rough tumbles and stuff inside boards of delver still and it's okay but like I don't know. I've seen fire spouts in the green, in the blue Zenith decks recently. I think that's where you need to be for these kind of things. Um, obviously, you can't play it from Delver because you know you'll kill your own Dragon Rage Channel. <laughs> so it doesn't make sense here. I mean, give it another year or two, and it's going to say creatures your opponent's control or something. <laughs> yeah, probably. <Just> one <laughs> there's one in the, the next set that might show up. The um, there's one that like does three to everything or destroys all artifacts. Yeah. Those three we we don't talk about that on a painter friendly podcast, <laughs> I'm afraid. <laughs> yeah, I think that card. What's it called? Brothers. War, um, the brothers. Yeah, yeah, they named it after the set exactly. Yeah, the Brotherhood's <laughs> End. Brotherhood's End. Sorry. Yeah, um, so yeah, it deals three damage each creature in each planeswalker, or destroy all artifacts with mana value three or less. I think that is an amazing effect for three mana, but it's one double red. So yeah, double red is just such a big cost in Legacy, where red is usually a splash color. I mean, you could play it in Painter. Yep, true. <laughs> I'll let you test it out and come back to me on that. Yeah, I shall do. I shall do. So yeah, Andy took uh, uh, Andy took down the entire event. He actually wanted to play out the quote unquote finals, right? Usually people at five and all they just draw and get first and second, but he didn't say it. Uh, we just like thought maybe that was the motivation. Um, we have an end of year invitation for all the winners, and I guess also the best Elo rated players of the year or something. And Andy had not won an invite yet, but I guess he really wanted the invite, so he actually came in and destroyed... Who was in second place? Uh, second place is Severin Schwarzuber, supporter of the podcast, patron of the podcast. Shoutouts nice. to him and his 5-1 Asper Cephalid Breakfast in brackets no Yorian list. This was this was almost like a Yorian-free tournament, like looking at most of the deck lists. So yeah, Severin mm -hmm. got second place. I got the list open over here. I think this is... Asper, right? Yeah, from what I can see, this should yeah, be... Yeah, so there's two Cabal Therapies for the black, and then there's two Divining Witch in the sideboard as well. So, Cephalid Rex is in a really interesting spot, so we'll we'll touch on it later. Um, our friend Francis Calper also top-aided the Showcase Challenge yesterday with similar-ish to this. So, Stoneforge Mystic is incredible in this deck because it can obviously get the... Um, actually, he's playing Battle Skull, not the Caldra Complete, which is... I like Caldra Complete. It's just... It puts such a fast yeah, clock, too. and it makes them answer it, and then you're like... You have, you have breathing room to combo and stuff. But it also finds Shuko, which is another combo piece. Um, yeah. He's playing, like, so there's there's a few directions. There's, like, I think um, Javier plays Yorian, and he plays, like, a much much more fair game. He has more recruiters, lots of recruiter targets. I think he sometimes plays Vile. I'm not sure if he still does now. But then this list has two recruiters and, like, a Cavern of Souls. And it's not as combo-focused as Francis, who plays, like, he plays three Teferis and um, two step-throughs and four dazes and no recruiters, and he even plays two Shukos and four Urza Sagas to find the Shukos. So it's much more combo-focused. Um, but it has this Stoneforge Mystic for Kaldra backup land, which is just very strong with four days and four Force of Will and three Teferi in the deck as well. So Yeah, the it, sideboard's quite something, right? Yeah, then the sideboard. Absolute lore. I love that card. Even <laughs> as a person playing a red deck most of these days, it's just a cool card. Um all creatures gain protection from red enchantment. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Two Divining Witch. I love this card as well. This is something that we saw pop up a bit in some Doomsday sideboards. And then there's been some kind of like Esper Vile-based decks, but not like Esper Vile as we know it with Recruiter, like just playing Strixes and other value Esper stuff, but then it actually combos with Thassa's Oracle and Divining Witch. So Divining yeah. Witch is just a very odd card. <laughs> 
he, he actually told me like the entire years that you you get to dodge some more hate uh post part and in order to make that work right you need to protect your creatures and you gotta protect the divining witch and the thassa's orca that you're gonna use to win and you use absolute law you use something like grand abolisher arms charm to make all of that work and yeah i, I just like haven't seen that kind of approach in this deck in, in quite a while i i actually have a couple of divining witches lying around it's one of the very few cases where i speculated on a card i think about like eight <laughs> copies of this one so oh, for you people, did? <laughs> yeah i've got a few as well just because it's such a cool card and i've played it with oracle a few times but just so people know what it does it's a two mana one one and for one a black you can uh tap it discard a card and you name a card and then you remove the top six cards of your library from the game, reveal cards from the top of your library until you reveal the named card, then put that card into your hand, remove all other cards, reveal this way from the game. So what you're going to do here, you have, um, is it one Thassa's Oracle in the deck? Yeah. So you'll activate it, name Thassa's Oracle. Hope it's not in the top six cards, because that would <laughs> that will then like exile in your deck yourself. But you take the Thassa's Oracle, and then you play the Thassa's Oracle, and then in response to the trigger, you can activate Divining Witch again, and name you're already dead or something that's not in your deck and then you'll you'll exile your whole deck and win with the trigger yeah i guess you, you actually have additional copies of thassa's oracle in here so i uh, oh there's two more sideboard so yeah so i guess it a little bit weirder right because then you would use the witch a couple i, I guess the idea is you would have thassa's oracle in hand already because yes, so then, i'm pretty sure you can also wizard cycle for it with step through yes yeah you, you, so with step through is a card that's basically two mana instant can't be countered um search for a, a wizard so um, it's it's it actually costs like five mana. You bounce two creatures to hand, but it's got wizard cycling. So wizard cycling is the Cephalid Illusionist is a wizard, and the Thassa's Oracle is a wizard. So it's a pretty cool just tutor for like two parts of your combo. Basically a Harry Potter deck. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, if you have so he's got two more Thassa's Oracle on the sideboard. If you have that naturally, it it saves your whole turn cycle of activating Divining Witch because you can just play the Oracle from hand and then activate Divining Witch. Yeah. And the Grand Abolisher, from what I was told, also did a lot of work. At least from 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 his opponents. Um, was it Mark Folk who told me he he actually basically kind of lost? Oh yeah, he was sitting there behind. Uh, he I believe he had like four counter spells and even like creature removal spells in hand. And Severin at the end of Mark's turn just went wild on two. Yeah, Grand Abolisher, Chichi. Like yeah. instantly over. Like you can't do anything. Grand Abolisher. I I I'm trying to remember from memory. It's it's like. Opponents can't like use cast spells or use abilities. It's yeah. like completely locked out. Pretty much on on your turn, or, or actually no, at instant speed. It's during or... during your during your turn, your opponent can't cast spells and activate some kind of abilities. Oh, so you so you don't do it in end step, So you actually you do it in your own main phase. Yeah, yeah it I makes sense. So. Makes sense. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Cool. Nice. So yeah, that's second place, uh, five and one. Third place, we got Mark Fogt at five and one as well, with. Usually, like, I, I want to say, like, Mark plays pretty, pretty boring decks. I, I'm sorry, Mark. <laughs> At least lately. But he, he has something, like, super interesting in the decklist, and he's playing one copy of Throt. This and is I don't some, even remember uh... the mana cost, right? Oh, come it's, on. It's, it's, like, triple blue? No, it's two two and two blue. And it's... Oh, I'm so bad. It's basically spell, foil, right? And yeah, you but, can yeah. return three islands to your hand instead of paying its mana cost. This is some Phil Blackman tech. So, um, oh, is it really? Yeah, yeah. I know they talk about it in the, the Miracles chat and stuff, so I think Mark got the idea from him. But Phil's been banging on about this like from since Mystic Sanctuary got printed, basically. He's been playing it in his just like Turbo Miracles, still playing one or two Entreats and like three three Terminus, probably. Turbo Miracles. <laughs> Something like that. Turbo Control, yeah, yeah. Turbo Miracles. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, I mean, as a one-off, it's kind of cool, right? <laughs> I, I just love the artwork. Like, I, I, I'm just like a yeah. sucker for my KD mask foils. And of course, the marks and high deck is foil and altered and everything. So when I see a foil throughout, I'm just like super happy. And you know, I, I only like, after he, he told me about it and I thought about it, I, I realized, well, it's also like there's some some interaction with Uro, right? Because Uro is going to give you additional land drops. So it's, it's not as painful. I mean, bouncing three islands is still kind of painful, but at least you get the extra value from the mystic sanctuary and you you like don't fall behind as crazy and then drops a few if you like build ahead with uro or something i don't know man i'm yeah i'm I mean, trying to talk myself into this actually being a mystic card he's also what like this is going to sound super boring but what strikes me the most from this list is actually three force of negation main deck he's playing a force deck like so he's obviously got the four force of will and three force of negation that's not common in these kind of four color control decks you often see like two sideboard now yeah i believe like the the whole approach to this is, is like I have so much value and I'm so powerful. The only thing I really fear is my opponent like running me over on the first one, two, or, or mm -hmm. three turns or something. What happened against Naya Stompy, by the way? Do you want to tell that story? Oh, yeah. Well, I was actually watching from, from the side of uh, seventh place, Daniel Rehman uh, playing Naya. It says depth on the document. Oh, my God. I'm going to give myself an F minus or something. <laughs> Naya Stompy, of course. Okay, here we go. Daniel Rehman, friend of the podcast as well. And he played against Mark and he tried everything. Like he presented an assault that most people would probably just roll over and die in Legacy 2. So he went first, turn one, turn one. Wild Plume Adventurer, Mark forces it. Turn two, Minsk and Boo, Mark forces it. Turn three, Fable of the Mirror Breaker, Mark forces it. Turn four, Minsk and Boo, Mark forces it. Turn five, White Plume Adventurer again. I look at Mark's hand and he literally still has Forceful plus Forceful in hand, but he lets it resolve because at that point he could deal with it and everything. But what the fuck? He even put another Force of Negation on the top of his library with Mystic Sanctuary, which he actually was quite happy, uh, unhappy about now because then he, he got the initiative and he had to search his library and, and he shuffled it away. <laughs> yeah, take that. <laughs> <laughs> this guy... Like, this guy, this fucking guy, man. I mean, he had Sylvan Library going. He was literally on three life between forcing and fetching and Sylvan Librarying without his opponent. Ever. Like, he literally took 16 life loss until the, the, the like, fourth turn or something. Just this riveting crazy. Just <laughs> Why would you not just force everything? Legacy's so easy, guys. We've sold it. Just force everything. Yeah, and you know what? In the second, <laughs> second game, biggest mistake, he didn't force the first spell that was presented to him, which was a Mox Diamond. He had <laughs> the Force of Negation for it. And yeah, then Daniel got the White Plume Adventurer down and it literally went all the way. Nice. <laughs> that that card can do it. It's just... Yeah, especially against a deck playing seven forces and, and what have you, right? Throughout Leyline Binding. I guess Leyline Binding could eventually do something, but it was too slow. Yeah. It was just like yeah. too fucking slow. Mm -hmm. Cool. Yeah. So, yeah. Did he tell you how Thwarp did? Uh, he liked it. He liked it quite a lot. Uh, cool. Definitely no chance of ever playing a second copy, but he yeah. was really very, very happy about it. We took actually um, top eight screenshots, I was going to say, pictures by the end of the tournament, and Mark uh, didn't want to show the cards he, he won. He instead showed me Terminus, Chase, and Throt. As, like the <laughs> three enough. cards that, that made us deck at that point. <laughs> by the way, another awesome thing. He actually played the Savior, the Messiah, Leyline Binding. Binding. I played you know against Leyline Binding yesterday. Well. You know what it did for him? What? So the opponent attacked with a Kratov Beamoth. Mark Leyland binding it. <laughs> yeah. Opponent was like, okay, sure. Proceed to the Leyland binding, get the trigger again. 
Yes. Oh, I love that. I, that's the kind of play that tickles me. Like, that's just awesome. Excellent. Uh, it's absolutely excellent. So, yeah, yeah. That, that was Mark's deck. Um, the deck list, by the way, are all going to be found on... Oh, my God. I run the Twitter account. I literally don't remember. It must be etc. Match. Yeah, it's etc. Magic. At etc. Magic on uh, Twitter. So, here we go. Then fourth place, Konstantin Basalik. And he played to a 4-1-1 finish, playing Dragon Stompy. Let me actually switch over to the deck list over here. Mm -hmm. uh, wait, did he actually play Dragon Stompy? Yeah, well, Moon Stompy, whatever you want to call it now. Oh, the deck lists are... I've got, it looks pretty standard. Here's two Squee Dubious Monarch, which is cool, and a Vandal Blast in the sideboard. The hateful person. But <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, dude, artifacts, man. Everybody hates artifacts these days. Just play Can't something do. that like beats Chalice for eight cast. That, that's my gripe. But yeah, otherwise it looks pretty standard. You got like three hearses, three Trinospheres, lots of three drop red creatures. <laughs> that's that's, yeah, that's how that, mean Stumpy. That's the one of Sulfur Elemental. Um, I was talking to a friend of mine who ended up not playing the tournament, but if he was going to come, he was going to play Death and Texas. And I told him, dude, if you had played in this tournament, 100% chance he would have been paired against uh, Constantine and he would have had the one of sci element oh, against yeah. you for sure. Yeah. Like it happens all the time, right? Deserved, I'm sure. <laughs> it's not It's not the few four Furies in the deck that would do it. It's the Sulfur Element. Or the two fiery confluences. <laughs> yeah. Seriously. Yeah, dude, these, I, mean, I mean, I love these kind of stories that are sometimes told by local meta games because you eventually, like, yeah, you, you notice certain trends of what people like to play and, yeah, I guess it's a lot of multicolor and and artifacts like artifacts are just like so popular i feel like True. he has 10 cards to bring in against death and taxes <laughs> doesn't everyone it's <laughs> like everything's good against you oh. oh is that why death and taxes plays like 80 cards now they just like need more cards to beat <laughs> us <More> cards. <laughs> everything can be answered <laughs> yeah cool so yeah good job on the top four then in fifth place we have tobias kreitmeier four and two okay and tell me about this deck this is wild yeah i opened this up and i literally thought this was like a decklist error like, I thought this was like a deck <laughs> registration error when I, I read, like, this is, okay, I was told this is lands. I think that's what the deck list, okay, he calls it Dark Echo, 8 Mulch lands, whatever. <laughs> I'm, I'm loving it. Yeah, fairly accurate. It's pretty close, right? Yeah. I, I don't know where to start. So imagine the the tr traditional 8 Mulch deck with, like, uh, 4 Mulch and 4 Winding Way, which usually, like, you, we see then very aggressive builds of lands, right? Mm -hmm. And they're like usually, like, and stuff. they usually have, like, 3 or 4 Field of the Dead, and they're just playing for um mana bond and expirations they're basically mulliging to that and they they do play life from the loam but it's more of a field of the dead mulch and winey way than a, a lands based like control or combo deck yeah it's like a dredgeable way to make more tokens pretty much yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah we, we we got this here we also got like three copies of uh, field of the dead but now we are also playing three copies of uro i i mean i guess yeah you you can especially with exploration and stuff you, you're yeah. gonna get that pretty quickly seems great with mana bond as well and stuff yeah and then we, we have just like a love i'm loving this i've never seen this before we have four copies of echo of eons which when you think about it, it kind of makes sense with mana bond right yeah and March and Winding Way, yeah. That, that, yeah, it's cool. Yeah, I, I don't, I've never seen it before either. It's really, really cool. I'm like a thing with these kind of decks is they, like, they're they're a bit weaker to just like a force will on the exploration or the mana bond. Yeah, I guess, I guess somewhat of a problem is you you don't always know whether you want to force the exploration. I usually mm -hmm. do most of the time. There's not too much else I, unless they play like Wallacoot Explorations, but in the, especially in the first game, you, you don't really know. Yeah, like I, I basically almost never force Explorations from lands, but 
yeah, here you against Amots you would if you know what it is, and Mana Bond you probably would. But then yeah, Echo, you, you Echo gives to. this way to just like play out some of your lands and then just Echo again and stuff. Yeah, you better use your first early because <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Tobias is also playing two copies. Like we're playing three copies of Busichu, but two different cards. Um, that's one Busichu who shelters us all, and two Busichu who endures. So we, we can even make our Echo of Eons uncounterable. <laughs> yes <laughs> i didn't see that actually but, yeah that's amazing and on top of that of course we also have the thespian stage dark depth combo uh single copy of maze of earth but we don't uh okay i guess we're i'm, I'm looking at the traditional lands card that we're not playing which is like crop rotation punishing fire mm-hmm. makes sense um Nemox diamond as well if a breeding pool and oh yeah oh that's <laughs> uh yeah i guess that's because of of um field of the dead one yeah. breeding pool and one tropical yeah. island yeah, like you sometimes see stumping ground in lands if they have fields of the dead as well. But we, well, I guess we can't split the basic lands. We're only playing one yeah. each. Okay, makes sense. And the sideboard has some cool ones. So four ancient grudge. It's not too uncommon here. Two memories journey. So it's it's really banking on like milling stuff with mulch and winding way or discarding two. Is this the closest we have come to a bazaar deck in Legacy now? <laughs> it kind of is. I think it plays similarly. Like you just. You get all the lands, and then you just get incremental value from discarding things. Turn the Earth is gonna is actually one I don't remember what it does. I th- I remember roughly what it does. It's like the owner of three target cards in graveyards yeah. shuffle them into their libraries. I think. Yeah. And you gain two life. Yeah, and it's got a flashback as well, yeah. right? Yeah. So it's like one mana first, and then two to flashback. You can get Doomsday with it. <laughs> if, if, yeah, um, yeah. You, they, you can also get Cephalid Breakfast with it because they they can't. They can't cable therapy it, and when they go for Dread Return, they, uh, that Dread Return is going to be wasted. It'll beat Shuko, but not um I think it should be both, right? No, because if you shuffle three cards in, in response to the trigger, they'll just activate Nomads again. Yeah, but then Dread Return is going to resolve without a target, and it's going to be exiled. Oh, I see what you mean. Yes, yeah, you're right. You're right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because that's actually what happened in their match, but uh, Severin had the first of all for, for the turn of the Earth. Ah, okay. Uh, that's interesting. Cool. Yeah, I actually thought he was like he was really gonna get him with the Tony Earth. Uh, it yeah. seemed kind of cool, but yeah, that's cool. Yeah, and then Tower of the Magistrate, I guess for like Stoneforge, just like Caldra, just on the Caldra is one of the way. Yeah, Caldra, I guess we we yeah. also have Maze for it, but um, yeah, it also lets you uh, kill three light bunch of Thopters with your Merit Leech. Yes, true, true, very true. Oh, Callum, you yeah. talked me about this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I actually just forgot. I'm so focused on the Echo and stuff that I've completely forgot that it has Merit Leech. Yeah, the Echo is just like a way to reload at this point, right? Yeah, this is yeah, awesome. yeah. Yeah, super cool. So, Andy, yeah, you've been playing like a bunch of lands-based decks as well. And your yeah. Red Green Balakut deck was red-green, but then you've been splashing for blue recently. It's kind of similar to this. Yeah, I've been playing some blue exploration decks. I haven't done much uh, depth stuff. Um, yeah. But yeah, this is really cool. I really like the sideboard. I love how everything is just like fine to discard to your mana bond on turn one. Yeah. And then again, the mulch and the winding way is just put yeah. in the graveyard. This is awesome. Just when like drawing three lands isn't enough, you need to draw three lands and <laughs> just get a spell as well. <laughs> yeah. I think this could, that could be a lot of fun to play. Yeah, I'm going to jam it for sure. Cool. Then sixth place, uh, Christian Sankt Johansa, also known as Staubsauger. Uh, I've played with that guy for basically ever since I started playing Magic uh, nice. Legacy on, in Munich. He went 4-1-1 one, and one with Barnt-Kitten combo. Did I label that correctly? Yep, looks like it. That's impressive that- because I've been so unimpressed with Kitten decks in, in Legacy. So doing well is impressive to me. 
But I'm just like looking at this, and this looks exactly how how you spell the stacks like for 15 years at this point. This is literally like you pull out your trade binder. You're like uh, two spare peers, <laughs> one monastery mentor, uh, a chrome mox, like one supreme verdict. Yeah, we're gonna get that. That's fine. <laughs> and then yeah. the, the sideboard is pretty much the same, right? <laughs> so I'm, yeah. not, I'm not super familiar with these decks. So remind me, the combo is just Teferi, Kitten, and then a zero drop. Exactly. So you'll go. You can use yeah any zero, and then you'll. Uh, the Teferi will bounce the zero, and then you'll play it again. You'll flick a Teferi. Yeah. Or certainly a flick of the Teferi with the cat, and then you'll bounce it again. So you essentially you draw your deck with a zero. And then, so this one doesn't actually have um, a Wink on Raptor. What you can do is, so the Chrome Mox, when you when you draw that, you can start imprinting stuff and making some mana. So maybe you can then go Khan, like you're, you're netting mana each time as well for each card yeah. spell. I guess you, you, can, you can do like Monastery Mentor, make it really big. Yeah. But and there must I, be something in the sideboard you can get, like Mikkelsen Lattice, Walking Ballista. So you can go Khan Lattice, but this is close to what I... When it, the deck was, like, after playing it a bit online, I noticed that I don't think you should, should actually have a wink on for when you draw your deck, because you're playing Forcer Wheels and Sorcerer Plowshares. You're drawing your deck. Like, you don't need to do anything. You can draw your deck and then just, like, kill everything and force everything and then just draw seven more cards every turn. You're drawing as many cards as you want every turn. And your your opponent can't interact because you have a Teferi. So just have the perfect hand every turn and kill them with the cat and whatever else. Oh, but I, think, I think Khan does kill them. Because I think you go... Like, once you have Khan in play, you get yeah. Crypt, which flickers Khan. And then yes. you get Petal, which flickers Khan. And then you can get the Crypt again, because that's in exile now, right? Mm -hmm. So I think oh, you yeah, just that, keep doing that. There is the Khan kill. You're right. Yeah. You're right. As long as you, Help me out. I, I wasn't following. So as long as you have... A, a Tormund's Crypt and any other zero in your sideboard. You play the card, you minus it, you go and get the Tormund's Crypt, and then when you play the Crypt, it, it the displays the kitten flickers the Khan, and then the uh, Tormund's Crypt, when you activate it, it exiles itself, and you can get it again with the Khan. Yeah, so right. I think it's you get you get uh, Crypt, Flicker Khan, you get Petal, Flicker Khan. And then you sack oh, Petal for mana. Oh, Petal in the sideboard. Yeah, and then you sack oh, Crypt, and they're both exiled. And so then you just keep doing that, and that's infinite mana, and then you get Ballista. Yes, that makes sense. There we go. I'm <laughs> glad we have someone smart like? on the podcast. <laughs> I'm, actually, I'm actually really impressed by you guys here. This looks like something you, you would print into, like, back before the times of the internet. You would print this into, like, I don't know, what did we have, like, Inquest or whatever those magazines were called? Oh, like, Inquest was great. Yeah. Figure this out and send <laughs> and us a letter until well. the next month or something um, how you're going to win with this deck on the turn yeah. that you go for the combo. Yeah, I would. I would just look at those religiously. That was great. There was an amazing one of those, which was uh, past the time of uh, magazines and stuff. But it, there was actually no answer to it. It was awful. But it was so convoluted with like fifty cards in play, and you could almost get there, but it was actually impossible to do. <laughs> Well, that's actually the worst if you print that and that's just, <laughs> just like a mistake. And like, yeah. can you imagine like how many hours are wasted like all across the world of people oh, trying to I spent out? hours and hours and hours and hours and hours on it, even knowing it's impossible. I was like, there's got to be a way. I'm determined to find it, but obviously not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It reminds me like that, you know, that the, I believe it's like the FBI has put out like some some really hard to break, break codes. And I think they even printed them on the outside of the building or something. And they were like, if you ever like, are able to break this code, then we will hire you. And I believe after like 10 or 15 years, they, they actually had to correct one of those because they realized, oh, we actually made a mistake in it. Um, we are sorry. It's actually supposed to be this and this. <laughs> nice. Nice. 
So we're gonna quickly skip our seventh place um, and talk about eighth place Mario Ego Wheel. Sorry, Mario Ego Avel. I hope I didn't butcher your name. Four and two, another eight March lands list. And this is basically what we talked about earlier, right? This is much more closer to traditional eight March. Yeah. Got the two turn to earth and cyborg as well. They were really ready for the Cephalid Breakfast, huh? <laughs> and a drop of honey, man. <laughs> and two flame jabs. Oh, I love flame jab. Cool. These decks really love like just playing from the graveyard. Yeah, yeah. It's weird. Like they, it's actually a good spot to be in because like looking at this and talking about the sideboard and how they have so many cards that like you know they want the graveyard for. They also just don't like they don't they just play out the lands like they with the um, expiration of Manabon. They just like puke a ton of lands into play and it puts the pressure in, in play straight away with like the combo or the field of the deads and stuff. And then if you like you know spend some time to play a rest in peace or something it's just not really gonna catch you up you know what i wonder i wonder if wizards is ever gonna print uh hear me out a two mana pyroplast with retrace do you think that'd you be know, good I, I think it would be insanely good right two mana pyroblast and you can play it by discarding a land yeah i guess it would be yeah, I don't uh, think if you will. have that like in the graveyard, like <laughs> no, you, you trade all your excess lands for counter spells for expressive duration and and Merktide. Mm -hmm. Sounds pretty insane. Cool. Uh, <laughs> I, yeah, I'd play that. Yeah, deal. Fine. Can you can you <laughs> cool. uh, message Wizards of the Coast? Oh yeah, um, they're still working on Leyland of the yeah. Choke. Okay. We figured out. <laughs> Leyland and the cool. Blood Moon coming soon. So yeah, and here's the reason why we skipped our seventh place because that's actually Daniel Rayman playing Naya Stompy, and mm -hmm. up until the fourth round or even fifth round daniel was undefeated he he was like four and oh he was playing for five and oh against the eventual winner andreas railing on blue red Delva. ended up not winning <laughs> but that match was amazing like andy i guess had not yet played against any of the the what are they what do we call it like initiative card adventure cards i don't know yeah i think a lot of people haven't it's it's an experience yeah and and daniel had to had to explain so many of the interactions like and, and, and you you i also got the understudy oh you have another understudy <laughs> for me oh my god that's and the I thing before we dive into this really quickly i had a i at the beginning i was a bit like not annoyed but i was just having to keep up but at the um axion events i played against someone that played a tome one caves of chaos adventurer and so i got the initiative after a couple of turns and then I had to start tracking in which room I was in. He only had one of the cards. So I was having to write it down on my pad. I was like, so I'm in the Lost Well now. Okay. And he took it back. So I was like, okay, so I stay in the Lost Well while you're now going into the Forgotten Caves or something. I don't know. And then he ended up completing it. And then he was like, okay, I'm going to go back in. I was like, wait, what? <laughs> and so when you complete it, if you still have the initiative, you do go back in. And so we had to call the judge. And I was like, I'm sure he's right. I'm really sorry to ask this question, but... Can you confirm that he goes back into the under city? I mean, where else would he, would, would he be going, right? Well, dungeons you complete and then you don't go back into the same one. But this Wait, is... is that so? Can you like not complete the same dungeon over and over again? Isn't that how I the Alluring combo so. works? Oh, uh, maybe it is. Okay, you're probably... Yeah, I think it's just that the Alluring card specifically says, like, if you haven't completed so-and-so dungeon. Okay. Ah, okay, okay, okay. <laughs> I mean, I'm going to be honest, I, I don't really know. <laughs> I mean, it's it's, it's an exciting um, yeah. ability in the sense that we're still discovering how it actually works yeah. and what it does. <laughs> he, my guy actually completed it. And like, so the last one is you look at the top 10 cards of your library, you put a creature into play, he gets two 1-1 one, one counters and then Hexproof until the end of the turn. So you hit like a Fury off that. So he had a Fury, yeah. kill a bunch of my stuff, had a 5-5 five, five double striking, Hexproof until his next Ooh. turn thing. Yeah, I, I've uh, hit some more locks with that. Fight the oh, thing. <laughs> oh, so good. Yeah. I yeah. 
the games are usually over by before yeah. that happens but yeah seeing it happen was kind of cool but yeah tell us about nice dompy yeah, so um, I, I watched two of his matches, basically the fifth and the sixth round. Uh, he got pretty close to beating Andy on, on Blue Red Java. In the end, uh, Danny, uh, Andy actually got there because he got to make his Diver a 5-4 and also let Daniel lose 5 life. So they basically like <laughs> they kept trading the initiative back and forth because Daniel was also attacking with, what's the flyer, Archon of, of Ameria. Archon was actually surprisingly good, like really good. I mean, I say surprisingly. I mean, everybody knows how good it is against Fetchlands. <laughs> yeah. But uh, my, my favorite interaction was that Andy tried to put a, I, I would believe, a game-winning Mystic Sanctuary into play and putting Lightning Bolt on top. But he, he actually caught himself <laughs> right before he did it because the, it, it wouldn't come into play, <laughs> until, even though he had like all the, the, yeah. the islands necessary. Just because Arkham says it comes into play uh, tapped, it has like this weird clause where it needs to come into play yeah. untapped. <laughs> yeah, it's it's not like it's not the three islands. It's the it just comes to play untapped with the three islands, but it has to be untapped. It's yeah, crazy. I've had yeah. that come up before. It's nice. Nice. <laughs> nice so yeah, it was nice. pr- pretty close, and yeah, Andy Andy took it down, but uh, Daniel gave him a really fair, a really good fight. Awesome. Uh, yeah, and then the re- last round I talked about it earlier, right? When when Mark had just like that most insane defense <laughs> that was one of the. The craziest defenses I've ever seen somebody put up in Legacy. Then you get to steal the second game, and the third game was rather drawn out again. Uh, but in the end, I think Daniel died with four red cards in hand and no way to cast them, and that was eventually his downfall. Oh, yeah. But he he also like still he he still put up a good fight. I think he might have even had another white plume adventure on the first, and it was handled though. So yeah, mm-hmm. dude, this deck is this deck is scary. I, I when we first talked about it, and I was like, dude, I'm not so sure about White Plume Adventure. And then Callum was like, dude, I think this is actually the most impressive card in the deck. And I was like, that was your first one. You were like, yeah, this is on the chopping block. I'm gonna cut it. <laughs> I was like, no, 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 this and Fable are the best cards. Yeah, stop. <laughs> so before we share any more amateur opinions about this deck, Andy, can you tell us how you arrived at this? I was gonna call it pile of cards. I'm gonna <laughs> still gonna go by that, but it's amazing pile of cards. Uh. Yeah, I can try. So I don't have a ton of experience with these. Yeah, actually tell us a little bit about yourself. I don't want to like cut you short. Like, sure, oh. sure. Um, yeah, I, I, well, let's see. So I haven't played a lot of these Ancient Tomb City of Traitors decks in Legacy. I've done a lot of like veteran explorer stuff. Uh, recently, I've obviously been doing a lot of like exploration, Valakut stuff. Uh, I mm-hmm. did the orcish lumberjack you know you make it sound like you're like experimenting with drugs and stuff (laughs) (laughs) well i guess in in some ways (laughs) um but yeah like this is kind of a a shell that i haven't explored a a ton and i mean like this specific build i haven't tested a ton either because uh like a couple of the cards aren't online so it's hard to uh yeah it's hard to get the opportunity to test it it makes it all the more impressive that you you just like looked at this and you're like you know morlock White Plume Adventure, that's a deck. Yeah, so I, I think Morlock's like less clearly good. Um, I, I think it's decent. I think it's more replaceable. Uh, White Plume, like there have definitely been other people talking about it. I've seen a lot of uh, sort of mono white lists with it. The big thing I think is just once you have White Plume, uh, Mox Diamond gets pretty appealing because like White Plume, the first room gets you a land, and so like mm-hmm. it's a lot easier to kind of have excess lands sitting around for your Mox Diamond. You know, Americans, they like this word they always use when they buy something to justify, like, big purchases. They always say, oh, but the cash back. <laughs> and I guess that's pretty much it, right? Yeah, pretty much. Um, and then once you're white, you can't play Simeon Spirit Guides. You kind of have to play Petal. And so then basically, once you have Petal, Mox Diamond, and White Plume, that's, like, so much free fixing. 
that I think it's just like pretty easy to be at least a second color. Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. I think the most obvious second color is red. Like we've seen, I think earlier in this top eight, we had a, a mono red stompy deck. Like that's obviously a known thing. Uh, it's super powerful. Like the red cards are very strong. Yet Fable is just like such an amazing Yeah, yeah Fable like, Fable's the best, one of the best like ancient tomb payoffs we've seen yeah, in a very long time. Like if you're talking about three drops that are good to play on turn one, like obviously there's a ton of them, but um, Fable and White Plume are definitely like at the top of the list of like just powerful standalone three drops to play on turn one. Mm hmm. Um, and then Definitely. Fable also fixes your mana because it gives you the treasures of the, the Shaman. Um, and yeah. so now you just have like the core of your deck is all like mana fixing. Um, I, I never thought it from that angle. When when I saw the deck, I was like, what? my first instinct was, why is it not just red-white? Like, you know, playing green for Minsk and Boo and uh, Morlocks, like, do you really need that? You know, but you, you completely sum it up perfectly. It's just, you actually have all this fixing by adding the second color. It's, it's almost weird, like where yeah. you're better off having two extra colors than the, just one. Yeah, and I could certainly see playing like a red-white build. I could see playing a mono-white or mono-red still. Um, mm -hmm. Like, I'm, I'm not saying that Naya is definitely, you know, the perfect place to be. I could even see splashing a different color instead. Yeah. But like Minsk and Boo is so powerful. And it's such yeah. a, like, unforgiving card to play on turn two. Like, if your opponent stumbles, they do just die to it. Yeah, because you, um, your deck is also built to basically play a 3-drop turn 1 and a 4-drop turn 2, or another 3-drop turn 2. Yeah, like, yeah. Because you have the 8 Soul Lands, then you have 4 Mox Diamond and 4 Lotus Petal. And then, as you said, the White Plume and the Fable are just by themselves ramping you into that 4-drop into that or extra 3-drop if you had to use a pedal and stuff. Yeah, and it's, um, it's very easy to have a, a super unstable mana base once you have like Mox Diamond, Petal, City of Traitors, right? Because it's like, you have so much mm -hmm. temporary mana and like manners that that's like two for one in yourself. But like, again, Fable and White Bloom just like stabilize it so much. Yeah. Um, I mean, my experience with Fable is just from Painter, really. Yeah. But it's so easy to understate how important just getting those treasures to cast your spells if your opponent's interacting with your mana production and stuff. Yeah. And especially when all your spells are as powerful as they are in this deck. Like, every single card here apart from like maybe like some of the saga targets and stuff and swords in the wrong matchups but everything else is just like so powerful and just must answer so just to give the listeners a rundown of the deck and the threats so your threats are four minsk and boo four archon of ameria four fable of the mirror breaker uh four thornot seer and four white bloom adventurer like, whoa <laughs> those are Morlock so terrifying like, sorry more like oh my God. To, to a threat well i'm obviously putting more luck in the removal spot i didn't forget it <laughs> um which will actually lead me on to something I wanted to, which is probably on a lot of people's minds, is you're playing eight soul lands and tons of fast mana, no chalice, but you're playing four thought not seers as plowshares? Four source of plowshares. And then there's a relic and a shadow spirit in the deck, but there's saga targets. But then you also have some one drops in the sideboard, like Path to Exile and Pyroblast. So can you tell us a bit about no chalice? Yeah, so I've definitely played some chalice builds. Um, I think it's clearly a powerful card. Like, it, it will win you some games. It will do stuff that other cards can't do. It, I think, like, when I was playing it, it's so difficult to replace Swords to Plowshares. Like, I've played Prismatic Ending in Chalice Builds. I've played March of Otherworldly Light. I've played Solitude. Uh, I was even considering, like, there's a oblivion ring type thing from a recent set i think it's like touch the spirit realm or something yeah it's got cycling oh, for one yeah i was considering well. I, I, that one i yeah. saw that modern on, on the weekend when i was doing commentary for energy yeah that was, that was actually like really cool that's pretty cool to blink white plume and thorns here but 
Yeah, it was mostly like it's a three mana sorcery speed answer, but then also it is an instant speed answer for like Marit Lage, which is kind of nice. Because mm-hmm. I like basically, when when you're not playing swords, I was just finding that I would die to either a Merktide or an Uro or a Marit Lage. And like, mm-hmm. there isn't really another good removal spell that answers all three of those. Like, ending answers Marit Lage at sorcery speed, which is pretty medium, and then Uro for three mana, and then doesn't kill Merktide. Uh, yeah. March of Otherworldly Light can like get uh, Marit Lage at instant speed, but it doesn't get Uro uh, unless you have like a lot of mana. It doesn't get Merc Titan unless you have a ton of mana. Yeah, uh, yeah. Swords is just Swords, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, and like it's just the best. You can play Solitude. I think if you're just red white, it'd be a little easier to play Solitude. But even then, it's like Solitude makes much more sense if you're like mono white and you have the uh, the double phase land and Chromox because then mm-hmm. you have like more white cards for that. Yeah. Um, and so yeah, like basically, swords is just super like hard to replace, and it's possible you can get away without it. Like you certainly, obviously, you can win some games without having swords of Bowshers in your deck. And yeah. I think like the mono red deck kind of gets away with Blood Moon shutting off a lot of the stuff we just spoke about, like Uro, Merktide, and Marilage are like a lot easier or a lot less likely to get into play once you have Blood Moon in your deck. Yeah, that's a great point. It's it's definitely the Blood Moon that's carrying that deck against it, not the Chalice. And I've seen plenty of Delver decks just play through Chalice, and a lot of decks in general just play through Chalice. Yeah, and I so think... so when it comes to Chalice, like I think against the fair decks, like everything except for Delver, it'll have spots where it's good, but I think most th- most decks except for Delver are at least prepared for it. Like they'll have ending or whatever. Mm-hmm. I guess there's a lot of combo uh, combo decks that might still struggle. Yeah, yeah. So, but, so it's yeah. definitely. Oh, you said fair decks, yeah, sure. Yeah, sure, yeah. So yeah. I, I definitely think of it as like an anti combo tool. So, like, it is good against Delver, but like Swords is also good against Delver. And like, I've definitely had games against Delver where they just like cast a bunch of one drops into my Chalice and then play a Merc Tide, and I still just die to it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think that's quite familiar for a lot of Chalice players. Yeah, and so in my head, it's more of a anti combo tool. And obviously, again, it will have its like its spots against Sorry, Fair Decks. Something but it's, um, Keep going. It's uh, yeah, it's, it's more of an anti combo tool, and so I think it's more replaceable as an anti combo tool than Swords is as a removal spell. Uh, yeah, makes sense. And so you see, it, like here, I've got as anti combo tools Archon and Thought Not Seer, and you can play Trinisphere, you can play like Blood Moon. Even it's like a fine uh, card against yeah. some combo decks. Yeah, even Blood Moon here makes sense. Or we were talked a bit about like so as a saga is the only thing that I questioned after like you know looking at the deck after the, the event that you won and stuff. Um, you then kind of said yeah that was not the best bit and you could play Blood Sun in that spot. How about that? Yeah, yeah. So I basically put in Saga and Gigantha, both of which I, I think I wouldn't play now. I put them both mm-hmm. in as like sort of hedges against flooding out. Like the deck plays thirty mana sources, I think. Like it's a lot, and like I mean, these stompy decks tend to have a lot. Uh, like yeah. Fable helps a bit, and the mono red decks get to play uh, Shatter Skull Smashing, which helps a bit. Um, did, did you say you you were not gonna play um, what's the saga going forward? Yeah, I, I think I would play Blood Sun instead. I think I would like cut these sagas and the two targets okay. for like yeah. four Blood Suns and two other lands, like maybe Grove of the Burn Willows or something. Well, that's interesting because when when I was watching the at least Daniel's matches right on the weekend, I also saw a lot of situations where he could have technically like played Saga and slow played the Saga, and I guess sometimes it would be right. But his hand was just like so stacked; you always want yeah. to tap out every single turn. And you're like, do I want to play my Minsk and Boo on like turn three or on turn five? And it's like, yeah, I want to play it on turn three. Like, yeah, exactly. Like I was kind of going into it like worried that I was going to have 
just a bunch of hands that like play one thing, have it counted, and then just run out of gas. But like, I mean, maybe I just drew well over the the event, but like, it didn't feel like I was running out of stuff very often. And so I think you might just not need Saga at all. And to be honest, I mean, Blood Sun kind of like, like the fact that it can trips, it sort of like doesn't make you run out of stuff any quicker anyway. So. And you can't flood if your opponent's dead so fast. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So I think the one of the most questioned cards uh, in here, other than Viplume Adventure, and I'm sorry for doing it, I, I'm seeing the, I'm literally holding five copies of it right now. <laughs> is uh, Thought Nuts here? I, I know. I think Andrea also, and Mangochi picked up the deck, right? And, and mm-hmm. like one of the first things he wanted to cut, if, if I remember correctly, Andrea, if you're listening to this, I could be totally off, but I think he, I heard that was Thought Nuts here. Yeah, he wanted to cut Thought Nuts here, and he was very questioning Mox Diamond and the number of lands. But I did explain oh, that White yeah. Plume grabs the land. Okay. So he, okay. he wanted more lands or fewer? He wanted more lands for the Mox Diamonds. Sure, yeah. So, yeah, like you say, the big thing is White Plume gets you a land. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So I think it's like 17 lands without the Sagas. Is that correct? Uh, so 21 altogether? I think right it's now, 22 including? total it should be. Oh, I could be totally off math-wise. So like 4, 10, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17. You're right, you're right, 22. Yeah, so I think without Sagas, I'd probably be on 20-ish. With the with the eight artifacts, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah, it seems. I mean, just you, yeah. I mean, you're gonna have hands where you know you're either like you're casting a couple of three drops in a, in a turn or two, but you're, the deck operates very well off just like a soul land and then a mox diamond, right? Yeah, exactly. Like you have Minsk, you have Minsk and Boo as the four drop, but the rest of the threats, apart from Thornless here as well, and kind of Morlock are higher, but like Morlock curves with how the game progresses anyway. Yeah, so so just to touch on Thought Knots here, so I, I, I do think it's um it's it's not like the strongest card in the deck. I, I think it's fairly replaceable. I think it fills quite a nice role of just being generic interaction against like pretty much anything. Um mm-hmm. I, I think one of the issues with a lot of the hate pieces that you can play is that they'll be good against some decks and not others. Um which is fine and like there's nothing wrong with that, but like it's nice to have something that's just sort of generically interactive. And especially a lot of your draws are just like player white plume on one. And then if you have any single piece of relevant interaction on the following turn, you probably just win because it's like the game is over the like on turn three. So you just need something. And I, I think Thought Not Seer and Minsk and Boo are sort of the most, they're like the least forgiving follow-ups to a turn one three drop, I think. Like they both just end the game on turn three most likely that is a really really important point i think to understanding this deck it's not like where i mean moonstompy's clock is very fast as well especially with the tone rubber masters but this deck is like has as fast a clock as you say it can like kill turn three like turn one white plume adventure is 15 damage i think by turn three on yeah. its own so it's very easy to just play another threat on turn two and then you'll get there this deck snowballs like nothing else so and by snowball, I mean just in the first few turns as well. But as you said, like, because we played at the Axion event and I kind of got a, I mean, I was wrecked by a turn one Archon. You were telling me just before, he was like, yeah, it's it's not that good against fair, but you know. You know we'll yeah, but I, I think I even like slided it out. And it's like, like across <laughs> yeah. the whole event, it's, like, yeah. it would often get sided out, but in game one, it would still just like win the game on turn one. Because yeah. it's just, turn one Archon in the play. It doesn't really matter what nasty. you're doing, unless your hand is just all basics, like Archon is going to, like destroy yeah. you but then with this like super fast clock yeah morlock i think fills this, this kind of role and swords honestly like 
your your deck is doing so much damage that you know maybe you add a turn onto it but you're snowballing on the board and so as you said anything that just comes down within with interaction so more luck just coming down there's like even a 2-2 to eat like a Delver or a Dragon Rage Chandler, yeah. you, you need that removal to not lose the initiative, I guess. Yeah, and if you, compare, control of the board. if you compare Morlock to something like Fury that the Mono Red deck plays, like mm -hmm. there'll be spots where Fury does stuff that Morlock can't, like killing multiple creatures. But Morlock is so flexible. Like yeah. I had a game against like a Mono Black Depth deck where they went turn one on the play, land, petal, Dark Confidant. And I just go land petal Morlock. <laughs> like my Morlock yeah. doesn't even survive. But it's just like just having a, a turn one removal spell was like enough to yeah. like keep them from doing their thing. Because um, stumpy decks don't often have anywhere near as much interaction as this, really. Because you've got the Thornot Seers, the Archon. I think counts definitely, but it can just solo games as well. And then Swords and Minskaboo's kind of removal. Yeah, like it's it's so much interaction plus this like blistering clock it's it's really something yeah and it also means that like post board you can just be so dense on interaction like i had a game against or not a game but like i played against uh like an elves deck like a fiend artisan elves deck and i like, post board mm -hmm. you have yeah all these morlocks all these swords and then i bring in two paths two cosmetics returns and it's just yeah. like, that's so so much for them to to play through while you still have access to like turn one three drop yeah. turn two four drop you know do you think there's a density like where you have too much interaction? But when they're strapped to threats, it's it's not really, is it? Yeah. So and if you have some, oh, the... sorry, sorry. <laughs> oh, sorry, I was just going to say that's the really nice thing about Thought Knot. I think is like mm -hmm. it's a bit of interaction that is just a four four. Like if that slot is uh, Trinisphere or Blood Moon or you know something like that, it's it will still have spots where it just wins the game. But like mm -hmm. the the fail case is like the floor is much lower. Right? I'm also a really big fan of how. Um, your interaction differs so like you know depending on the matchup once you understand that like, your thorn is attacking the hand archon's attacking the development of mana and well combo obviously um you have the swords for the board you have more luck for the board and then you have the clock in adventure and minsk and boo essentially so it's you know depending on that if you do have different options in your hand you can it's differing rather than just like lots of removal for example yeah yeah and it's, it, i think it's quite easy to end up with too much of one or the other and i i'm certainly mm -hmm. not saying this is the perfect balance but um yeah i've been pretty pleased with the the mix like morlock i was talking about um the four drops being super unforgiving as like a follow-up to a turn one three drop morlock as well like you go turn one three drop if they play a creature and you play a morlock like the game often just ends yeah i think in our game yeah you went like turn one archon i was like okay sad turn one saga and then you played like a minskaboo or something yeah maybe a fable two. or something yeah oh, yeah there's a fable i think and then i was like okay fine i got a uh, engineer down. I was like, yep. "Hey, I have the combo next turn because I have some <laughs> two serious spirit guides." You're like, "Here's a five-five Morlock. Get out of here!" Yeah. Jesus Christ. Oh, brutal. You know, I just realized why I find this deck so appealing. It, it except for the swords to plowshares, all of this is giving me vintage workshop vibes. Like we're not even trying to cast something for one and two. We're going like straight into the three and fours, and ideally everything on the first turn. Yeah, and that's just that, that, that projecting that power, right? That just feels so good. It's it's force checking as well, right? Have you had any games where you kind of get force checked too much? Like, do you have hands where you have two threats and then you peter out a little bit? I, th I think that's one thing that I got kind of lucky with at the event is that I think I didn't actually play against a lot of turn one forces. Um, like I played against some force decks, but I had a lot of yeah. just my turn one play resolving. And then even if they draw a force later, it's just not enough. I, mm -hmm. I, I do think like that's a spot where the sagas would look really good is if like your first two things get forced and then you play a saga or if like a saga was your land on turn two or whatever. 
Yeah, very true, very true. But the the threat density is still there. There's a lot of them. Yeah, and it is just they have to have it, and if they don't, they die, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so now you're actually making me wonder, is there, is there any place for, what's it called, Caves of Koilos Adventure, like the four mana uh, initiative? Yeah, die? so there's that one. There's a white one as well that's four mana. Like, there's, else, a ton of, there's a ton of four drops. Like, they're all super powerful, obviously. I went with Thought Not Seer, Minsk and Boo, and then, like, Morlock is kind of a four drop sometimes. Mm-hmm. I think if you wanted to just be red-white, you could easily play, yeah, Caves of Chaos Adventure, maybe the white one. Uh, there's probably some other four drops I haven't really considered, but uh, like really, the four doesn't have to be that good. Like if you're playing a three <laughs> and then following up with a four, like it doesn't yeah, really matter yeah. what the four is. <laughs> I think you sold me on the three colors though, like pretty convincingly. Um, yeah, I mean, like the man is definitely not perfect. Like don't get me wrong, mm-hmm. and it, it does kind of require. Are you some... bad mouthing Mossfire Valley? <laughs> I, I kind of want a second to be honest. Mossfire Valley, yeah, is, uh, yeah. Pretty good. <laughs> oh man, so many people are buying foil Mossfire Valleys <laughs> right now. I mean, they're amazing. It, it doesn't do much that a tiger doesn't. It's basically if you have like specifically Soul Land Mossfire Valley, then you can play like a three-three uh, Morlock. Is kind of the main thing. Like, it doesn't do a lot yeah. other than that that a tiger. Or if you but... do like the kind of Lurz Pedal or Mox Diamond into White Plume get your planes for some reason yeah yeah planes also works with it yeah 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 <laughs> but yeah cool so we we know you play a, at least i over the last week learned you play a lot of interesting decks is is this your favorite right now be was there anything like where you feel like dude i i actually want to go back to the the Wallaku deck or the the applejack stack or is that just like something we haven't even seen yet uh so actually you're probably not going to like this, but this is out of the three decks you just mentioned. This Naya one is probably my least favorite. And you, and you going to say that? <laughs> that's the best. That's actually the best uh, type of storytelling because now people are like, "What? <laughs> you just typed this up, and this is like the least." Well, favorite? I, I, I think this may well be the most powerful, and certainly, like, I think it, it's funny. I was saying to my friends like before the before both events that I thought the Valica deck I bought was like better built out of the two, but that this Naya one kind of had more potential out of the two, like. If both decks were built perfectly, I, I thought this Naya one would be would be stronger in the long run. Um, How much uh, like games did you get in bef- with this and the Valakut deck before? Uh, so the Valakut one, I played a lot of different builds online. Uh, mm-hmm. This one, I played what I could online. Like I played some Caves of Chaos Adventure ones. I played some. Right. So just yeah. Like you can. Like I was playing some of the sort of mediocre white three drops, like Elite Spellbinder and. Uh, I forget the there's like a peacekeeper from a recent set but like mm-hmm. when it enters you like look at their hand and you can oh like yeah name it's a like double white as well isn't it uh, I think that I one's think... two and a white but no. um, okay fine like it was decent but it's I mean like white cream adventure to... isn't yeah and so yeah. like actual testing with this build like like literally a couple games like not not much um, yeah fair but yeah I mean like the shell like the the rest of it like without Morlock and White Plume I, I played a bit online but yeah it's it's mm-hmm. hard to gauge exactly how it would play out without getting to play those cards. Yeah definitely. Yeah let's um talk about the other decks as well a yeah. bit but just just to close this out is there anything you change so we talked about the saga maybe being blood suns and a couple more lands that's one yeah, i guess if the saga goes out we would also take out two of the saga targets right that leaves us yeah so i think spots. i'd cut the four sagas and the two targets for like four blood blood uh blood suns and like probably two more lands uh probably like grove of the burn willows would be my first thought but i'd have to see if the mm-hmm. total like colored sources adds up I think the Gigantha is just nonsense. It shouldn't be there. <laughs> yeah, I, I had the same experience once where I played it at, with Painter, and I was like, I'm just like, have a big sign over my head saying, I'm not playing Chalice, I'm not playing Force, I'm not playing Endurance, yeah. I'm not playing Fury or Force of Vigor. 
And like, even if it didn't give away that information, I think just the sideboard Still, slot is just more valuable. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I think I like cast it once and it got forced. Yeah, yeah. It's just whatever. So, uh, yeah. But yeah, and then, I mean, to be honest, there's a lot of other stuff that you can try. Like, I, I don't think... Mm-hmm. Um, I, I would definitely encourage people not to like get too attached to this one list. Like, I think, mm-hmm. to me, the, sh- the core is four tomb, four city, four mox, four petal, four fable, four white plume. And then I think what you do after that is like completely up to you. I think you can do whatever you That's want. The Andy Fernandez shirt. Yeah. So yeah, you could just go red or well, red white, obviously, with this base. I, I that sounds great to me as this base. They are just the best cards in the deck. Yeah. And, and I think you have to ensure that you have some creature interaction. Like if you're just red white, it could be Fury Solitude. If you're like obviously here, I have Swords Morlock. It could be something else. Um, you can do like Punishing Fire if you have Grove. Yeah, um, maybe that's your that maybe that's your flood insurance. Yeah, and uh, yeah, <laughs> and I think you need like some... to be a three-two. <laughs> <laughs> you need some like anti-combo stuff. Like here, I have Archon and Thoughtnot, and they they both overperformed. Like they both overperformed against Fair Decks as well, which was a big yeah. deal. They're just generically powerful as well, right? Yeah, Archon is the lower floor, I'd say yeah. probably. But like Archon it's... was sided out more. Thoughtnot too. I don't think I ever sided out. Yeah, I, th- I think so. It's just such a raw power card. Um, did you ever actually? I'm having more questions <laughs> now. Did you have trouble casting it much as the colorless? Card? I thought not. Uh, yeah, I don't think so. I, I kind yeah. of hedged a little high on colorless sources. I think I have sixteen. Okay, it's pretty uh, high as well. Like basically, my man is a bit more painful than I could probably. I could probably get away with slightly fewer pain lands and slightly more like jewels or whatever. Uh, yeah, I kind of hedged a bit to... against like your soul land getting wasted and then still wanting to be able to cast your thought mm-hmm. here. Yeah, so it's kind of like a four-color deck, but just easy game. <laughs> kind of, yeah. <laughs> As, uh, one thing I would say is sometimes you really have to plan your sequencing with the mana. Like sometimes you have a petal and you need to make sure that you use that for your green mana to cast your Morlock because you don't have good, like after that you're not going to have green mana. And so you need to just like make sure that you know, if you're going to be limited on the colors in your actual lands, that you're using your petals for like the color that you need. You know. Yeah, it makes sense. Like sequencing is always, I think, the hardest thing with yeah. these kind of fast mana decks. You need to have your first few turns just be played perfectly, basically. And yeah, yeah and I think also that's like why stompy decks sometimes get a bad rap because I believe a lot of people they don't understand how important the sequencing is for stompy decks. And they just like look at at what they see from the other side of the board, and it's like, oh yeah, I just got run over by whatever. But I, I think that's so. When hard. I watch people play zombie decks, and I sometimes look at this like, this is like you th- you you have everything you want, but instead you just go turn one city of traitors and you throw every everything away just because you 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 got force checked and then you never cast anything again. It's just like you could have just like yeah. Anyway, <laughs> I, I I I I just like have a thing that that annoys me, and that is when people like think about something like i don't know dragon stompy is like a stupid deck because this it's definitely not one of the first 10 decks i would like come up with anyway anyway <laughs> yeah <laughs> so but, yeah um but, callum do you have um more questions i, I think we, we wrote down quite a lot uh did, did we already go over, over all of them yes i want to ask a bit about so valakut now because i know i played you uh last week as well on like a different one so we've got the red green deck that you also took forward the X the Saxon event with so that's probably we talked about it as well last episode and so we'll go over that and then some of your explorations because I know you've been playing blue but also there's like something I noticed within like over the two decks is you like you have a game plan 
and then it's kind of geared towards fair your interaction but then you have like one maybe two very hard-hitting anti-combo cards so in um Naya stompy you have the archons thought not to an extent but not as much and then in the valakut deck you have three trinospheres they do kind of combo that your deck is all three drops basically apart from commune with spirits and you added cantrips recently is that like a a deck building thing you do with most decks in this ilk it's a good question i I don't think I was necessarily thinking about that specifically. I think with this Valakut deck, um, as I'm, I'm sure we'll get into shortly, but there, there's not a ton of room in this deck for interactive or disruptive elements. Like it, it's very synergy based, and so it's difficult to find room for like I don't know, like Lightning Bolt or Thought Not Here or you know that sort of thing. Yeah, I've I found that when especially with you have 27 lands in this deck. And you want to be playing tons and tons of lands for your synergy. Yeah, like any card that isn't progressing your game plan is like a real cost. And so yeah. for this build, I basically just decided that Trinisphere made the most sense as like generic disruptive piece that's good against the widest range of things that works with your wasteland plan. Uh, like doesn't really disrupt what you're doing, doesn't take that many slots. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I wouldn't again, say that I was necessarily thinking jealous, but... the same sort yeah. of thing across the two decks, but... Okay. There are some similar ideas there for sure. Yeah, Trinisphere can yeah just lock decks out completely as well, and it's a good point because so I'll give people a quick rundown of what we're talking about, but then you have moved on to other things. So there's two Dryad Arbors, four Corsair Crucifix, four Dryad of the Lissing Grove, and three Ramnet Excavator and a Tireless Tracker as your creature suite. So as you can guess, there's lots of like land recursion from the graveyard, especially with three Excavators and then the extra land drops from the Dryads. And you do have four wastelands in the deck. You are wastelanding people out, and then the transfer is just brutal. And then you have four commune with spirits. This is a cool card. Um, it's a one green. It's a sorcery. Look at the top four cards of your library. You can reveal enchantment or a land from among them. Put it into your hand. So dryad and corsa are both enchantments. And then you have expiration and valica expiration. Four ofs. And then the three transfers to round out the spells. So commune with spirits. Tell me about that. This is. I've never seen Legacy before, but it finds like yeah. over half your deck. Yeah, I think it finds something like 45 of the 60, I vaguely remember. Yeah, um, yeah, the, the card is decent. I, I, I certainly don't think it's necessary. Like There are other mm-hmm. cards you can play. Uh, I think it's um, like... Well, where to start? So basically, <laughs> <laughs> let me try and give a quick rundown of sort of where this deck yeah. came from. So Yeah, yeah. Start from yeah, here. so... I'm a big fan of exploration generally. Like, I think the card is yeah. super powerful. Yeah. Um, we should just add it, the lands are basically for Valakut. This is how you're killing people. Yeah, usually. Like yeah. it's cool. most of the time you're killing them with Valakut. You can win like through a Blood Moon. Like, you just have a bunch of two power creatures that you can attack with, and like Valakut exploration can kill them. Yeah, uh, Tyler's Tracker can get big, but yeah, like most games you're killing with Valakut. So yeah, like I'm a big fan of exploration, um, but the the card only really does stuff if you have some sort of engine that's like letting you hit your land drops. So like classically we would see Life from the Loam, but in this deck you also have like Ramanap Excavator lets you hit your land drops, uh, Course of Grufix, Valica Exploration. So you really want to pair Exploration with some sort of engine that's letting you hit your land drops. Um, the issue with playing like all these engines is that now when you don't have an Exploration, like they're all kind of slow and clunky and not doing much. And so it would be nice if you could also play a bunch of other exploration effects or ways to find exploration. And so that's where sort of the Dryad, Green Sun, Zenith stuff is super nice because basically 
now you have like 12 explorations in the deck. Um, and so at its core, this deck is basically just like exploration effects and things that are good with exploration effects. And so like you're just sort of trying <laughs> to good. assemble that. Uh, and then a lot of it sort of uh, scales pretty exponentially. Like Valica Exploration, with each exploration effect, it's like drawing you more and more cards and finding you more and more exploration effects. So, like, but does it sometimes seem like you, you actually get to go off with the deck? Yeah. So, like, you quite often will kill on turn four. Like, I, I think I had one turn three. Whoa, whoa, whoa. The... On turn I was about to say, four? I, I've, like, I've played, fuck? like, um, when Dryad came out, I played some stompy decks with chalice stuff but a similar idea with valakuts is the win and this this engine can kill so much faster than you expect so yeah give us the breakdown yeah well let me run through a turn three kill that i had so <laughs> <laughs> i don't remember like all the specifics but i think i went turn one exploration and then second land is valica turn two third land valica exploration and i didn't even have a fourth land and then turn three i draw ancient tomb Play that, trigger the Valka explosion. Wait, that's so, 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 yeah. Sorry to stop you there. Can, can we quickly like recap? What does your board look like as you untap for the third turn? So in play, because I don't I think have... anybody would actually expect you to be able to kill from Yeah, there. yeah. So in play, I have exploration, Valka exploration, three lands where one of them is a Valka. And you literally won on that turn? Yeah. So I go <laughs> Ancient Tomb was my draw for the turn. So I play that, which triggers the first Valka exploration and finds a fetch. And then I cast the second Valka exploration. Uh, using like Valakut and Ancient Tomb. So I have two lands left. I play the fetch and fetch with it. So that's like four triggers across the two uh, Valakut explorations. And amongst those four cards, I must have found another exploration and another fetch and then some other stuff. So like I play the other exploration, which allows me to play the other fetch, which gets me four more triggers, right? And then I think amongst those, I find like exploration, dryad, probably another Valakut. And so like, <laughs> that just like kills them <laughs> your poor opponent that's yeah. crazy <laughs> this is the kind of story you tell at home and, and you're like okay and then round seven came along and you have no idea what i lost against <laughs> i mean it's not the norm but no that's no. not that's but that's not also that outlandish honestly yeah i mean the, like valica exploration once it's in play there's a lot of high rolls for like what you can hit like if you mm -hmm. like basically exploration is the best one because it's like yeah so it's how many exploration fetches you hit yeah like exploration is like free to hit because it's like you spend one mana on it unless you play another land which gets you more it's triggers. actually it's it's a plus one mana plus three cards uh well yeah. so it's neutral on mana because you're spending a mana and then it lets you play oh, of one course, land. Yeah, yeah. unless you're playing a tomb then it's like plus one mana so it's like a Phyrexian Ancestral Recon, which is okay. <laughs> yeah, kind of. And like, if you're not playing the cards... Oh, I can see also... why you're so excited about the same. <laughs> yeah. And like, any, any cards you don't play will deal one to your opponent yeah. in the end step with Valakut Exploration. So like... Yeah. And then all this damage, like, if it doesn't actually kill them, like, it can also just shoot creatures. Like, it's such a... The Valakuts, Once yeah. you get your synergy going, it's just the ultimate board control. Yeah, and that's a really nice thing. Like, often you'll have, like, even if you're not killing on turn four, often turn four is, like, Okay, use a few Valakut triggers to like make sure I don't die to your board, and then next turn I kill yeah. you. I think three damage is at a prime in the format at the moment because of Dragon Rage Challenger as well. Yeah. Um, you, I, what I love about these green based decks is how Corsair and Dryad dodge Bolt, though. They're both two fours. I wish Remnant Excavator was a two four as well. I'm sure you do as well. Yeah. But <laughs> um, I, that's one part I loved of playing this Dryad decks in the past is how you can often run it out against Delver and be like, this is pretty safe. This feels good. Yeah, Corsa is kind of a weird one because you can't cast it off of Ancient Tomb, which is a real issue. Mm -hmm. But 
basically my main kind of thought with the courses and the communes finding them is like it sort of to some extent allows you to not play any removal in the main because a lot of creatures like there's a lot of boards where just two courses and then just playing like three lands a turn just completely invalidates their board Mm, yeah <laughs> i love it courses removal spell. yeah and so so like i was saying earlier like the deck is just trying to assemble like engine plus explorations like courses yeah. and engine but it's also like a way of beating creatures because it, it's so hard must to be fit, like an like, absolute nightmare for anything that tries to be like a control deck um yeah so like it's kind of nice like you do just have a lot of like value in your in your engines like even when you're not sort of doing your thing you're still like generating advantage like, the expiration is crazy against control. Yeah, like sometimes you'll just go like uh, turn two Valica exploration off of an ancient tomb, and like if it resolves, then it's going to be tough for like them to fight through the amount of value you you generate across the next like five turns or whatever. Yeah, absolutely. It's even like they can prismatic ending it, but it's you've already got some value from it because it's three mana, so you're casting it ahead of curves. Yeah, or and then like deck. I mean, you have so many of these things that they have to yeah. ending. Um, yeah. And then I'm sure there's turns where you just kind of like sandbag a few fetches, play a dryad with Valakuts in play. Yeah. Just, they have to force it or they're dead. It's just... Yeah, and I'm glad you mentioned fetches because um, one thing about the mana base is I imagine some people will look at this and think, why are there no like Besajus or other sort of utility lands? But it's mm-hmm. really difficult to trim on both fetches and fetchables. Like you want as many fetches as you can play because so many of your engines just want fetches. And like yeah, that is that is your combo yeah. thing as well. Yeah. And you very often run out of fetchables. Like even with this, like what do I have in this list? Like nine, I think. I think it's eight. You got yeah. Uh... Like the seven actual ones and the two dryad arbors. Mm, yeah. Um, yeah. And like yeah. even with that, like you very often just run out. Uh, like it's <laughs> you want as many as you can, but um, yeah, it's hard to fit everything in. So that's that's just why there's no like other utility lands. Yeah, love it. Like yeah, so this deck it kills very fast. It's got. Yeah, as you said, it's very synergy based. Um, my experience was playing uh, like Primeval Titan as the kind of win with the Dryad yeah. player stuff, but you, you don't need it here. I think this is just way better built than whatever I played in the past. Yeah, my main issue with Titan, like it's possible you want one to Zenith for. My main issue with it is like when you don't have a Dryad, it doesn't actually do anything. Like it doesn't. Yeah. Like it, it's nice when it's getting like Field of the Dead or something, but when it's just getting two Valakas and you don't even have a Dryad, it's like yeah, pretty embarrassing. So to play Field of the Dead, you'd have to. I think completely rework this deck because the mana base yeah. is not built for yeah, it. Yeah, 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 and it's just very well built. Oh, and we should also um, we should mention the wastelands quickly. Like I, I spoke about yeah. Trinosphere as being sort of the main like disruptive element. Like wastelands, I mean they're they're super low cost, of course, because it's just like a land in your lands deck. Yeah, uh, and yeah, I mean they just win games on their own sometimes. Like ramming up wasteland with like two explorations or whatever. Oh. That's giving me like vintage vibes. Of yeah, this is giving me Maverick vibes. Oh, like, yeah. like Night Wasteland, Wasteland, Wasteland. Yeah, <laughs> and, yeah and it's super nice to have that as just like a second angle that's in the deck. Like I had a game yeah. against, I think it was against Espervile, and I think in games one and two he didn't see a single Wasteland, and then game three he like fetches out two jewels on the first two turns, and then I just like double Wasteland him and he he loses. Oh, yeah, just because <laughs> oh, it's us, yeah people can often recover from the the mentally expect to get wastelanded once and then like yeah you know even if it's not on his radar it's just like yeah i can get wastelanded once and then i can still cast these spells but when you get double or triple wastelanded out of the blue you just yeah 
Honestly, that's probably like another reason why people get so triggered uh, and so salty when they get like double or triple wasteland because just like people don't expect it to happen and when it happens, it's just like, oh, so lucky yeah. you drew the cards. Like, <laughs> it's not a thing that happens often as well. It's just, it's yeah. Just like, yeah. I, I had a yes. game against, uh, I think it was eight mulch lands and it must have been like turn 15 or something. Like the game had gone super long. <laughs> I hadn't found a single wasteland. And then I, I draw one and I have like, Raman up in play for exploration <laughs> effects. I just like play it, oh my God. like kill five of your lands. And he's like, uh, yeah, let's go to this game. <laughs> oh my God, real. Meanwhile, getting all the tokens for time yeah, trigger, yeah. ideally. Oh yeah. <laughs> I love the card so much. Dude, this is actually like, I, I literally have my finger on the on the download button on, on Goldfish right now because I actually want to try this on Magic Online. Like yeah. I can't try Naya Stumpy, but I want to It's a lot of this. fun. Like th this one I think is more fun to play than the Naya one. At least in my It certainly my looks like, like it, yeah. This is my kind of deck. Like I'm a big fan of just putting a bunch of lands in play. Yeah. I'm probably going to get dragged by combo because every time I've been playing the leaks uh, on Magic Online right now, I've, I've just been running into like mono combo all the time. But if you tell me like this can kill on the third turn, like, oof. yeah, I mean, like, yeah, you're, well, you're, you're the combo deck filling the leaks. Right? <laughs> <laughs> like the the yeah, sideboard yeah, kind of gives you some game against some combo decks. Like in just red green, it's hard to have game against everything. But like the oof, the endurance. I was about to say, I feel like red green actually has the best sideboard cards in Legacy yeah. these days. It's so good. Pyroblast and Endurance and Force of Vigor are just... I can't think of better cyborg cards, honestly. Like Yeah. like You you might have noticed, like, between this and the, the Apple Jacks deck, like, I play a lot of just Endurance's Force of Vigor's hoof. Like, that gives <laughs> yeah, you game yeah, yeah. a lot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, honestly, if, um, if Endurance was two and a green instead of one green green, I would put it in those in the nice Stompy deck as well. <laughs> Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, that would be yeah. ab like an auto include yeah. at that point. Yeah, that's such a good card. One of the best additions to Legacy. Oh, and I, I was going to yeah. put so um, Maddening Hex in the board here. It's kind of nice because you can find it with a commune, but like it's just too hard oh, to yeah. cast. Like you don't have that many red sources. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was almost like thinking to my head, like, can you cast Fury if you needed it against these kind of things? But yeah, yeah oh, that's actually exciting. Like when you look at the main deck, this is almost mono green except for the Watercourt explorations. Yeah. Mm. yeah, like you you could. Like, I played some mono green builds. Um, Thing is, like, once you're already playing Valakut, it's like the red splash is so free. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And especially, like, even and if you're mono green, so you want, like, eight fetches anyway to trigger all your stuff. Yeah. So it's like having a couple of tigers is just <laughs> so low cost. I gotta say, what's something I really appreciate with your, your decks is, <laughs> is the awareness of what's what you can play with colors as well. Like, the Naya colors look pretty rough. It's three colors, Stompy deck with Thornless here as well. But the way you described it is like, I'm already getting these these colored sources by being extra careful for my first couple of colors. I might as well take advantage of it. Here, you're like, I'm not introducing a splash because you know I want to make the mana worse at all, but you're already doing it, so it's it's close to free. Because I think good mana and knowing when to push it or not is a really important thing. Yeah, yeah, and I I'm I'm a big fan of like playing a bunch of basics as well. Like uh, obviously the the Applejacks deck it's had a lot, so and I, I played a lot of veteran explorer decks. Um, mm -hmm. You know what I like so much about like these decks? Uh, uh, what I also really like about Painter, and I keep talking about how much I want to build pa uh, Painter in paper. <laughs> it's just you get to select the nice basic lands, and you get to play a bunch of them. It's not like oh, I'm, I'm gonna play like one island, maybe one plains. Like <laughs> no, like in Painter, how much do we have? Like six, and this also like plays at least four forests and stuff. Yeah, oh, I've, I... got, I've got like five or six sets of nice mountains I cycle between. <laughs> what, what are your favorites right now? Uh, I'm using Portal ones right now. Oh, true, true. Yeah. And Andy, what kind of forests are you playing in this? Uh, I play Unhinged. Oh, that's good too, yeah. Unhinged is one of the only newer border style ones that I like, but they're they're nice. Yeah. 
Yeah, I, I left unhinged when I played like Elves All Foil. Then I played the All Foil unhinged nice. ones because I think they look amazing. Yeah. But when I when I downgraded to non foil, I think I played unglued. I'm pretty sure I still have unglued. But yeah, the, the, I, I like both of them quite a lot. Yeah. Oh, the unglued ones are great as well. Cool. But yeah, you've been messing around just before we move on for this. You've been messing around with blue as well. How did that go? Do you, do you think it's good? Uh, yeah. I, I've, to be honest, I've messed around with a lot of stuff with uh, with, <laughs> with Drive yeah, Advocate. Um, so, so for blue, I saw you playing Ponder, Brainstorm, Expressive Iteration, and Uro. Yeah, and Force. Like we didn't. You, I think oh, you yeah, didn't Force see it well. because uh, I sided them out. I think. Um, yeah. Fair. But yeah, like the, the main reason to play blue would be Force. I think. Like if you can okay. play enough other blue cards to support it. Then it just gives I you game. Imagine what you cut stuff. for all those cards. Well, yeah. So that was less of a. I'm trying to think of the the list I had when I played you. I think I probably didn't have courses, excavators, and yeah, like, I definitely didn't have communes. Uh, didn't have trinospheres. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I like, trimmed yeah, down on some of the numbers of the other stuff because you have cantrips to find them. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, and like that felt okay. Recently, I've actually been doing some like Quandrix Apprentice stuff. I don't know oh, if you know that, that card. It's like I know it's the blue and green. Apprentice. Yeah, so it's blue green for a two-two. <laughs> Whenever you cast an instant or sorcery, look at the top three of your library. You can put a land from among them in your hand. Rest on the bottom. Mm. So it's like kind of it's a. Go for the it's another one of these engines. Like that's good with exploration, but it's two mana instead of three, which is a pretty big deal. It's blue, so it pitches to force, and it's zenithable. That's very cool. And yeah, it just plays super is, well with is, all is the. That is that that? No, I, I thought we talked about it on some some kind of preview. I've never thought this card is good. Is it, is it brand new? Or <laughs> oh, no, no, it's back from uh, Strixhaven. It's the same set as the Witherbloom Apprentice. Uh, what, what, what's that card? Give me the name uh, again. Quandrix, like Q-U-A-N-D-R-I-X. R-I-X. Okay, Quandrix Apprentice. Yeah, it's, it's pretty sweet. Oh, yeah, dude, dude, actually, I'm pretty sure I talked about this card on, on, on our review episode, and I said, you know, there, there's something there, and even if you just, like, brainstorm back the extra lands yeah. of, of this one it's um it's shown up a little and like i've seen it in some lists um it's really sick with like careful study faithless looting type stuff because you just end up with so many lands in your hands that like mm-hmm. they just end up being draw twos or whatever and then yeah brainstorm of course it's really sick with brainstorm because it like you you put I'm two pretty sure my cards shut me down on this trigger, one like, the top. <laughs> just... i bet i did shoot you down on this one i'll i'll put my hands up yeah, yeah, you know, I, I've been shut down on Dreadful Arcanist and, and even Whale of Summer, but here we are. And Aye, they, those weren't me, those weren't me. <laughs> but also, it's, it's uh, good in multiples, which is like super unusual for these um, like land engine cards. Like you'll notice that Corsa, Ramanap, um, Loam, for example, like these aren't really all that good mm. in multiples, whereas Quandrix actually does stack up mostly. That's a good point. So you are you trying with like four of them? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and it's, it's possible that Instead of the like, I'm still doing the drive Valica stuff. It's possible that you actually just yeah. want to be doing like depth stage with that because like it also okay. finds those. Uh, That's pretty cool. And then with all the the um, expiration effects, you can just like find them in both in one turn and make it straight away. Yeah, with the opponent unsuspecting. Yeah, and I've also I've been playing like some Ottawaras and Besages. Uh, like Ottawara with Loam is super. Oh cool. yeah, so spells you can just find. Them yeah, as well. and like Especially. cycle lands if you want. See, see, this card is actually literally broken. <laughs> I, you should have trusted me. I've got my hands in the air already saying I'm wrong. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's really cool with uh, Raven's Crime, but I haven't tried that yet. Because like you, you retrace discarding a land, and then it 
finds a land and then you retrace discarding a land and then it finds a land. Oh my god, just... you can you can go like really deep on the <laughs> You're speaking like you're speaking my language so much here. <laughs> I've been playing some Raven's Climb in Modern, but I haven't really uh done much with it yet in Legacy. I guess you play Urborg for this as well. Uh, yeah, you can do, yeah. Uh, like Dryad fixes your black mana. <laughs> just say yeah, of, co- of course. <laughs> You're oh, actually... Imagine you just go like turn two Quandric Apprentice off like two trops <laughs> and then you like I don't know, you, you evil person, you just go like Urborg and yeah. then just like discard three and then next turn discard the rest of your hand oh yeah <laughs> man we need more of your decks in legacy seriously like where, where, where have you been all these years i, I don't know like uh, maybe you built a ton of decks that i wasn't aware of that you built them but this, this is some really good stuff mm-hmm. oh and then back in green red i've also tried experimental frenzy it's like super sweet it might be a little in legacy yeah well in this uh, green red valica deck so uh-huh. uh it's very easy like if you untap with it to just win in one turn because like the the main issue with frenzy is if you hit two lands in a row, then like normally you'd be stuck. But with all these exploration effects, you just like play ten cards and kill them often. <laughs> it's that easy. <laughs> play like a sixth of your deck. Yeah, sure. yeah. Well, because you're like you're like land. Okay, here's an exploration. Let's cast that. Here's another land. Let's play that. Here's a dryad. Let's play that. Here's a valica. Let's play that. You know, it's just like yeah. keep going. And yeah, you know, you know what it, this feels like. I I can actually picture myself like I'm sitting there. I'm playing like the win it in for a top eight in a big event. And I play, I'm up against a guy who casts like Cursor of Crucifix, and like inside I'm thinking, oh yes, I get this, I'm gonna get that. I have no idea why I'm sitting across from him, but yeah, I'm gonna get, and then literally you kill me with third turn, and you just like go off of what he just described that. Just... That sounds like Andy's uh, quarterfinal opponent was against Reanimator, and I, I was oh watching a little bit, I think he was also like, how the fuck am I losing to this? <laughs> I had no business winning that. Seriously, <laughs> I won... if I was reanimated and you was up against this deck, I would, I would like fist pump yeah. inside. I, I won game one against reanimator with this green. How do you do that? Like Trini Sphere or something? No, no. So they they had an early reanimate, but it was on a. Uh, it's the Sarah's emissary. Arcan? Is it the one that where you like choose oh, yeah. a type and you have protection from that type? Oh, and so they okay. had to choose land to have protection from my Valakut, and then I just like had a tracker <laughs> and it raced it. Yes, <laughs> that's so sick. <laughs> oh, yeah, oh, I see. Yeah, because they're like, they they ended up having to like chump block the tracker with their thing, and then I just valicated them. So. <laughs> beautiful, beautiful. Yeah. Oh man, dude, this this yeah, like, the games with this one are, are really really fun. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's. I think it's really a deck where if anyone listening, like you look at the list, it kind it does look mopey, but it's just not. It's. The first couple of turns you play like one spell a turn, but then it, these kind of things they just go off. Like Andy's explained it very well. Um, they, they're crazy. Oh, and then one one more thing. So I know Andrea Mangucci had a question about um, I'm not playing Mox Diamond in this. Uh, you definitely can, and I've definitely tried it. Like one issue with this is once you're playing Exploration, Mox Diamond, and Dryad, like none of these do anything on their own unless you have some engine going, and so it just mm-hmm. becomes yeah. so easy to like have your first engine countered and then you just have nothing you have like yeah. exploration dryad three lands and a mox in play and you just you... yeah I, I don't see this as a mox diamond deck you're you're, you're wanting the lands in play as well, themselves the valakas and stuff as well yeah yeah it's weird how like yeah even though you have like the ramen ups they kind of synergize with it you, you kind of have ramp red like the exploration provides ramp and you got the ancient tombs and stuff it's it looks fast enough to me, and yeah. then the dry. Yeah, I've seen dry dry as well. Um, yeah, like this. So this list has like twelve things that give you a turn two three drop between the tombs, mm-hmm. the explorations, and the zeniths for dry arbor, and then like it's communes kind of up that slightly because they can find ancient tomb as well. But like mm-hmm. I, I generally like to have more like fourteen to sixteen ways of 
playing a three drop on two. Like this list was a little light on that, but it's um, it's hard to balance that with like not running out of stuff, you know. I I don't know what you'd add because yeah, because when you go the mox diamond route again, you have to go really heavy your excavators or life from the looms or something. It just yeah. This is this is your it does, it's not a life from the loam deck. It's not. It's... Yeah, like I've played some builds with loam. Like I think in this list, yeah. Ramanap is better, mostly because yeah. um, it's kind of hard to uh, picture. You're playing it, more than three like, lands. Well, yeah, like sometimes <laughs> it's just. Or you just have one fetch. That, yeah, that's it's, the main thing. It's yeah. like you have one fetch or one wasteland, and then Ramanap yeah. plus explosion effects lets you play. It lets you hit all your land drops every turn still. Yeah. Whereas like loam. You have to like cast it and then dredge it and then hope that you've dredged into more land, you know. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. Cool, amazing. I, I'm also like gonna give this give this a jam. <laughs> I mean, yeah, but my finger's already on the download button here. <laughs> <laughs> cool. I usually like whenever you like finish a podcast, uh, I have one deck in mind, and I was like, oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna try like Painter again, it's just like because I'm having so much fun with Painter. But now that you you really sold me on this deck, I want to try this one out. And yeah, like I said, usually when I play it this time of the day, because we're uh, recording at like almost half past midnight uh, at my place, I keep running into like combo left and right. I don't know what it is about <laughs> this time of the day. This is like when. When Americans get home from work and they're like, you know what I feel like right now? The epic gamble. <laughs> <laughs> like... <laughs> we'll just stick the fourth in the spirit there. Maybe put the oath in the main. And like... <laughs> I, I yeah. literally, I, I can't believe I, I'm saying this. I literally recently did that with paint. I mean, I play in the evening. Like, I, I want like four ley lines for my yeah. traps. Just like... <laughs> But yeah, uh, Andy, thank you, thank you so much. I'm actually, I'm really excited. I, I'm no pressure man, but I want to see more of this kind of stuff. <laughs> you know, I was joking with my friends about like, what if I showed up to the uh, the ELM with just like Delver? <laughs> Dude, don't even joke about it. <laughs> Do, yeah, DL, dude, I'm actually curious what that meta game is going to look like. Yeah. It's going to be big enough where people probably won't try to meta game against each other. Um, yeah. Do you have an idea what you're going to play, or do you want to keep it under wraps? Uh, I, I just uh, don't know yet. Um, oh, oh, sorry. Yeah. So at the LLM this Saturday, I'm probably going to try out some Quandrix Apprentice list. Nice. Um, but yeah, I have no idea for ELM. Nice. <laughs> I'm great. looking forward to seeing you there and seeing that in action. Yeah. I'm definitely going to be like, I'm going to try and lose my matches really fast. So I can watch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Are you not going to play the, the challenge again, Callum, on the weekend? You, you, you already did a lot of winning. Yeah, just no. Winning, I, I guess. This, this coming Saturday is our LLM, so... I've got a deck lined up, but it's going to be a surprise next week. It's not Painter. Ooh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yeah, uh, in speaking of Painter, you you really have been flying the flags of Painter. And I know you always keep telling me you are not the Painter guy. There's like, oh, there's this kind of Discord and there's that kind of Discord. And they are the Painter people. Dude, you are Mr. Painter to me right now. You can say what you want. Just like... This is this is the title that has been bestowed upon you now. Um, you played two challenges over the weekend, one of them the the smaller challenge on Saturday, and then on Sunday you played the was it once again one of the biggest legacy events ever online, like two hundred two hundred seventy two. It's quite a lot. Players. Yeah. So yeah, I I thought I wasn't gonna play either. I went out Friday and I was like, <laughs> oh, and I woke up really hungover Saturday, and then I woke up in like a drunken stupor and like rented the cards and signed up i was like we'll see how this goes if i wake up in time and i i woke up like 10 minutes before i was like okay fine and um yeah the saturday challenge was small it was like 52 or 54 players i can't quite remember mm -hmm. but i had a nice run i um was undefeated in the swiss uh duh, 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 and scooped the last round just because you need to let me just pull up what i played against so yeah i um 
I'll give I play against Doomsday round one, I play against Reanimator round two and Reanimator round three, and then Mono Black Stompy round four, eight cast round five, and then round six I'll scoop for lunch, but I know I was against <laughs> Actually I can't lunch. remember now. Yeah, because I was five oh and I was against Ocean Soul, who is like a blue red Delva grinder. A little part of my head was like, I don't really want another blue red Delva player in the top eight. I could play just just to try and knock him out, but it's like, nah, I get to have lunch. There's no way I can that much in this kind of event. You know what? That's, that's a good shot. Like if you're the, one of the last undefeated and you play against him and he he has been paired up against you, like if he if he wins, if you win and he still ends up, ends up in like eighth place. Yeah, he he was pro- he was probably in anyway, but I was just like, I get to go and make some food. Yeah. <laughs> so that was cool, nice run. No weird weird matchups, like lots of combo. Doomsday, Reanimator, Reanimator, Mono Black, Stompy, Eight Cast, and then Blue Red Delver in the final last round. But I didn't play. I was kind of pleased. Like it shows that. I think the deck is built to beat fair game one, and so showing that it can continuously beat the combo, it works. Like the sideboard is geared for it. It's three mind traps, three surgicals, two thorn of amethyst is like new additions, and then magus and needle. And then I got a quiff dis- dispatch by Blue Red Delver in the quarterfinal. I noticed a pattern. Yeah, 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 yeah. So quarterfinals <laughs> loss, but that was cool. I, I then you know got to got to go out and do things and stuff nice saturday and so i was helping my parents move on sunday so i was just thinking i i completely had written it off like weeks before because they'd asked me a few weeks ago and then we started really early and so we got tons of stuff done and so i got to like 233 and i was like you know what if i just get out and leave pretty quickly i can run home <laughs> and so i said to them do they want me to do anything else because i'd like to go and do this and they were like no no we've basically done it until like more help next week so i got back i think at 10 to 10 to 4 when it starts quickly rented the cars and signed up and there we go and very even aware that's that's like a showcase uh, challenge. yeah i knew it was a showcase challenge i've got tons of qps from like other uh, yeah. challenges and i hope mine stuff. are not going to go to waste like i still have so many left but i they they time I don't know, they expire kind of at the end of a season, right? Yeah, I think they've got a bit more time. There's another showcase challenge at least. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. It's probably going to happen while I'm in yeah. Kenya, but yeah. <laughs> we'll see. Yeah. But then I I never really have expect- expectations anymore. I'm kind of at a really happy place with the game where I love playing this deck and I'll just keep playing it. And it's really good. I, I, I know it pretty well by now, but I feel so comfortable playing the games. I just don't feel ever really kind of like under pressure to perform with it. But um. Things went really well yesterday. So I played against Green White Depth round one, which I won. I'll I'll, I'll stop the. You won I, all of your Swiss wins, I guess. I won I won all the Swiss rounds. So <laughs> round one was against Green White Depths or Naya Depths. Round two was Blue Red Delver. Round three was Omnitel, a really tough matchup in my experience. But um, in that matchup, I mulled I mulled to five game three because I knew that. I needed a Saga plus Ancient Tomb or Soul Land Hand. The way you win that matchup is a fast clock and blasts. Mindbreak Trap was also clutch. They got Omniscience in play and I Mindbreak Trapped all their spells afterwards. <laughs> awesome. Then round four was Blue Red Delver again. It was Ocean Soul again, the guy I scooped for lunch the game before. He was very friendly. Um, then round five was Eight Cast. Round six was Arcanon Rhinos, like Leyline Binding Rhinos and stuff. <laughs> is that really a deck? Like, come on. I think it's pretty good, actually. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I've seen him do some stuff. Like, I've seen yeah. some, some pictures on, on Twitter and stuff. Like, is, yeah. is Leyline Binding the truth, really? Is, is it? I mean, it's like a two-mana flash removal spell. It's it's pretty good. Cause... I mean, the, the, the only reason we're playing it in that, I guess, is because of the Cascade. Yeah, but that's that's how it works. 
yeah okay it's good i mean I'm the deck some of them yet. the deck is very hard to play against because it has a ton of free spells so it has obviously four force of wills i don't know how many force negations he plays but then i knew in his sideboard he had two fury up to four endurance two force of vigors he had to collect roofs which funnily yeah. he won game one because i kind of had a slow hand and game two i won because he sided collect roof in against the painted deck but he hit it off a cascade <laughs> which this deck is very very good against collect roof but- like there's so much removal yeah, it's actually kind of interesting because I would think that's like a conscious choice. It's, you would think like Collector Oof against certain decks is like devastating. Like, I mm-hmm. guess it's really good against uh, the Epic Storm and stuff. Yeah. And and you want to be able to cascade into it. But against Painter, like you mentioned, right? We, we have so many ways to just like straight up ignore it. And yeah. Either like, or, or like remove it. And, yeah. And, yeah. Because I, I think I cited Bolts out, but I had four Furies in the deck and then Painters yeah, with seven Blasts. It's like, yeah, easy. What I do like about that deck sideboarding thing is there is two Oofs and then there's like, one canonist i think or like some other hate two drop which some decks just can't beat so the idea is you probably take out your rhinos and just cascade once and you hit your hate bear it's kind of cool and then you have all this free counter magic to back it up wait and really seriously like i, I think you would still keep in the rhinos right no but then you you might hit rhinos rather than your hate bear. and then you have to win with like the oof well you wouldn't do it against painter he had rhinos against me as well but i mean ah, okay, okay i mean I like <laughs> i mean like the epic storm or uh, some led combo decks mm-hmm. are just really mm-hmm. weak to it or canonist is good against the thing something like that but yeah. I, I would think it's still like okay okay so you you're saying you have to take out the rhinos otherwise you can't cascade into the youth then okay okay reliably yeah, yeah. it's yeah, more, it's yeah, more okay. for the canonist i think but yeah but yeah got got the two cyborg games um the game three i had one of the biggest tanks i've ever had i think i went tank for like five minutes on my turn one play because slow play <laughs> yeah yeah well it's magical line i'm allowed i play too fast in paper i, lose I mean ross merriam literally tanked on a brainstorm on, on camera for five minutes yeah, and didn't receive yeah. a slow play warning i remember that. i wrote an article about it afterwards like talk about milking it <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> but um then round seven was against uh Runko on the fiend artisan kind of mid-range nightmare and elf street deck they call it game one was pretty interesting like we had a bit of back and forth but i had like two bolts for uh, a reclaimer and then a finardesan and then he just didn't really then i had a painter plus blast for a grist and then a saga came off and quite easy combo and game two i felt a bit bad so runker if you listen to this he had on his turn two he had two elvish reclaimers and two dried was in play and i, oh, had, I know where this is going yeah i had a, I had a fury <laughs> but I, I took ages trying to decide whether to kill the two dried arbors or and a reclaimer or the two reclaimers because if he has a second land i didn't have another removal spell i actually kept a one lander because i had a fury and a simian spirit guide and a fable and a welder i had like a bunch of good things and the fury is so good to have in your opener so i was like if i miss on my second land and he has a second land he can then use the reclaimer to get a cradle or if i have a, a graveyard combo piece he can get the bog it can slip out of control but ultimately i decided because he played a dryad arbor turn two um naturally he green sun for one turn one i thought he probably just doesn't have another land because otherwise it's such a big blowout with fury and he just didn't have a second land and i got to do my thing <laughs> um round eight was against francis our friend francis on cephalid breakfast um i'd like to touch on his deck after this as well because i think it's incredibly good and kind of slept on and underplayed we had a interesting game one where i think i misplayed where he played a turn two Stoneforge Mystic and got a Shuko. And I had a bunch of removal. I had like a Bolt and a Fury. And I could have played a Painter Plus Blast. Like I had all the answers to it. And I was like, because he got the Shuko. I was worried of him having a, a good combo hand because he knows that Painter is pretty weak to Culture Complete. He, he, we've talked about it loads and how to sideboard and stuff. So I thought that 
either he has it naturally in hand, but it's a lower chance of that, or he just, you know, has a good combo hand with like two forces or a Teferi or something. So I got greedy and didn't kill the Stoneforge. Obviously, here comes the, sh- the Kaldra complete from hand the following turn. <laughs> in hindsight, I should have probably just furied it and kept the bolt and the blast for the combos. But um, I think I was also only had one red mana as well. So I was just, I got a bit greedy with the fury basically. But in the end, I got a fable down the following turn. He, he put a Shuko on the Kaldra complete. So it was a three turn block <laughs> rather than two, which is quite funny. But I got to hardcast the fury, kill the Stoneforge, and then Kiki copied fury. Killing another oh, creature. that's almost the worst. Whenever you get to that stage in the game, yeah. where you can like start copying you, like it's it's not even just because of the 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 trigger that you get. Like that's it's a, literally it's a six, six more damage. damage. Yeah, just out of nowhere. It was the damage. He was on sixteen life. I'd like he'd fetched a couple of times. I'd like attacked him for one or two, and then he had the fury I'd cast plus the copy, and then his plan was good. He attacked with the Kaldra, putting me to two. He has the the six power um, trampling to get through, but. Um, he had a saga, so he was going to make a construct to block one of the Furies. But I had a painter in play and a bolt and two blasts in hand, so I knew I could beat any combination of cards he had. So I tapped for like 20 on the fourth turn. It's the power of having a real man plan there. And then game two, I think I just got to bait a force with a Fury and then had like saga plus painter. Quite simple. Yeah, and then the last round, round nine, I... I, t- I was paired against a guy on Reanimator. I didn't actually win this one. I told him that I'm going to be playing because I'd played against Francis. So I wanted to play for his breakers to get him in if he lost his last Ooh, round. A man of honor. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I told him, like I said, we're both locked. It doesn't matter, but I will be playing. So it's up to you. And then he said, fine, I'll concede. So he conceded. So I went eight in the Swiss, the last round we didn't play. Oh, okay. So it's... Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I get it. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then what was that pattern you talked about? Quarterfinals, Blue Red Delver. I unfortunately lost. It was you against... didn't win the first game again. Yeah, so it was against Discovering. Um... It's, this is just like that feeling. I've been there so many times. You, yeah. You're literally up against Delver like an important match. You win the first game. You feel like mm. I'm gonna get there. Yeah, because Delver and the play is such a different beast. So you feel like you feel like you know game two will hopefully it goes well, but then you still have game three in the bank. Um, game two was really really long and grindy, and those. The matchup's in a weird spot where you can beat their grind. Basically, I try. I often don't blast the expressive iterations unless they have like one or two cards left in hand at the end of it, because the way you, quote unquote, keep up with their with their grind is well, Saga and Fable if they resolve or like don't get wasted. But stranding um, dazes in their hand and pyroblasting forces, you kind of create that parity back. So you do want the game to go long enough where you can make dazes dead and. Blast the forces if you need to. Otherwise, I just basically save blast for Merktide and then the force that they use to protect the Merktide if that happens. Um, and then the biggest other way I retain that kind of value is welders with Brayer's Apprentice is a huge, huge part of the matchup. Yeah, yeah. I can definitely like attest to that. Yeah, so that, that like, just draws I sometimes even like proactively find Brayer's Apprentice, even though I could like do try to combo out. Uh, I feel like sometimes oh, okay. it's just like... If you can just like go Brayer's Apprentice all the time, that's just, just like everything I want. I find... I basically only find Painter and Brayers with Engineers, but against Elva, I take Brayers 99% of the time because your first Goblin is dying, and then the next ones you draw, you're, you're going to have the, the Brayers there already. It might be a Welder, so it's not the Engineer. 
yeah, but, yeah. I, I, I agree like it, it feels like if you if you try to assemble the combo there's so many things that could go wrong and then you're left with like a grindstone or something and nothing yeah. whereas Brayer's Apprentice like you you get so much value out of it and yeah, yeah. I, I love the card so much I even might want a second but it's it's not really they needed, have real honestly. real diminishing returns because the first one you get with the engineer is amazing but naturally drawing it is not great so how, how do you actually usually bray, uh, play up Brayer's Apprentices like I mean it it can obviously be be different by situation, yeah, but yeah. I always find myself in situations, or or often find myself in situations where I sack the Brea to itself yeah, and then sacrifice the token to get it back. Am I doing it right? Yep, that's what I do. It's, okay, it cool. depends <laughs> on situations, but um, if you set the Thopter, then you have the Brea's to like. Then you weld out the Brea's. You need to have two goblins for that to work. So yeah, if you have one goblin, you sack the Brea's to itself. And then, yeah, use the Thopter to weld it back in. So it's like a draw one in that case, but there's a lot of other functionality behind it. That's but so cool, man. Yeah, I, I mean, even like the flying blocker that, that you get to get, that's just like, yeah. it's worth so much. Oh, there was a cool bit. This this game too, they opened with turn one Dragon Rage Channeler, turn two, two more Dragon Rage Channelers, and um, play some baubles and stuff. Didn't quite get them active, so I had a turn one welder that lived. And so I went... Uh, petal into pitch spirit guide because i had a one lander as well i was like every time you go right it's a good one lander which you, sh you should almost never keep but it was actually a lot of good tools in the matchup so i hope to draw some lands and um, i was like just don't have like the drc one time come on please <laughs> but so there's three i'm staring down three but i had twin shot so i got to evoke the twin shot and uh, then weld the petal in for the twin shot so i killed two but then they tried the bolt for the welder, and I just didn't. The twin shot in play as a 2-3 doesn't deal with the DLC that was then a 3-3 quick, pretty fast. And I think they even, like, forced a fury on it, and it just went the distance. And then game three, they had, like, another really crazy draw with, like, three Merc Tides in the top 15 cards, and just ran me over pretty easily. So like, it goes. Not, en not enough Pyro Blasts. No, I think I, I, I didn't. I keep running into Hydro Blast so much lately. Yeah, so Hydro Blast is the best card against this deck. It's not Meltdown anymore. I spent a long time losing to Meltdown and changing the deck so it doesn't lose to Meltdown. And now Hydroblast is just, yeah, it's beatable. Did you see that, that Twitter thing I, I posted the other day where mm -hmm. my opponent just like, almost like in frustration, cast a Meltdown that I think killed like a single land or something, <laughs> yeah, but just yeah. straight up losing to Goblins on the board? Oh yeah, that, that happens a lot. The big, the Fable is the big breakthrough on beating uh, Meltdown because you just make your artifacts off Saga and, and Fable. And so the deck just, the deck plays like, uh, four painter, two grindstone, a soul guide, and like two pedals and the opal, and two furnaces, like the actual artifacts. Brazen and twin shot don't really count because they don't usually get swept up. But the only time I really get blown up by, I mean, not only, but uh, when I do get blown out by meltdown, it's because of the saga tokens. Because yeah. I spend so much time and mana making them, and then yeah. just like one mana, everything goes away. Or, yeah. Yeah. There's there's just just there's such different ways that the games can play out with this deck. Like sometimes, like I never ever keep a a saga into soul and hand on the draw against Elva, but I do on the play because it puts them under so much pressure to find the mm -hmm. meltdown quickly or a wasteland naturally. But um yeah. Otherwise ideally you just want like you just want to go like mountain welder, mountain engineer into saga. Um a fable also makes you cast saga play sagas like the deck very rarely wants you to go like land, saga, land and then start making constructs. You want to go like mountain mountain saga play fable and then start making construct after and stuff so yeah <laughs> anyway I, I could talk this this isn't a painter episode <laughs> <laughs> but it, it, it was supposed yeah. to be one but then we had so many more things we wanted to talk yeah, about yeah yeah <laughs>
Actually, initially it was the, was going to be the episode without a topic. The, <laughs> yeah. the topics are for triad episodes. But That's the only reason I one. tried to do well on the weekend. <laughs> oh, man, you, you screwed up my perfect episode <laughs> title. Yeah. That's actually one of the hardest things. Like, YouTuber talk about, ooh, we have to find, we have to find a good thumbnail and it's like 90% of my work. <laughs> like, I, 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 I've heard interviews with, like, professional YouTubers who are like, if I can't imagine what the thumbnail is going to look like, I'm not even going to start planning the video. <laughs> Just like, it's so, yeah, yeah and I... I it's not exactly the same about about podcasts, I guess, but yeah, I I spend a lot of time like thinking about the topics, uh, uh, the the episode names, and then I still only come mm -hmm. up with some super generic shit. And I want to get rid of that. Like I don't, I I hate generic podcast names, but I also hate tryhard like funny names. It's just like that's got to find the middle ground. And that's yeah. the that's, that's the art that's of it. The art, yeah, but <laughs> to wrap that up, yeah, I I was I really didn't mind losing the quarters. Honestly, like the prizes are kind of good for it. But for these showcase challenges, you want the top eight. That's really what matters because all the top eight get an invite to. They now call it the Legacy Championship, but it's the showcase qualifier for those that. Are Wait, with that. they they renamed it. It took me like two years to properly <laughs> learn the number. Well, there's a token in my account that says Legacy Championship, so. Oh fuck it, man! I have to rerun it. <laughs> yeah, um, but it's it's the showcase qualifier that's like twenty four to thirty people, and then the yeah, winner yeah, exactly. gets a mox invite or something. And it's like quarterly, right? Yeah, yeah. So that was what I want. Once I got that eighth win and top eighted, I was like, I'm I'm done. I'll obviously play my heart out to win more matches and prizes, but you know, I really wanted the top eight. So it's pretty cool to sweep to eight zero, and then. Um, as I said, I didn't play the last round, so I'm not going to claim anything. I, I there. wonder what your spreadsheet says now about uh, your win percentage. Like, your win percentage, is, is, it's given it, the sample size, is actually insane. It is, I can tell you. I think it's just under 70. It's 73.65 over, over 277 matches. That's insane. <laughs> it is good, yeah, yeah. Well, what's your ELO rating on, on Legacy, on, on Magic Online Constructed right now? Well, I, th I don't have it open, but I think it's like. 1880 something I looked yesterday, but I did also play a terrible Asmo War of Invention <laughs> food deck the league like yesterday morning before the showcase challenge. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're like burning it, like you're secretly playing like I don't know Popper on the side. And I went like two three in that. I think I went one four in another league. Um, <laughs> can't stop playing the bad shit. Have you tried the uh, that black red five drop from 40k in paper? Defy that. Yeah. I have it in my deck to play tomorrow at my local nice. store next to me. Yeah, so I've got Black Red Painter for... I actually put together... A, I got um, my post this morning was White Plume Adventurers, the four-drop Dungeoneer, yeah. and then Triumph of St. Catherine's, and a few other things and stuff. So I built like a kind of blue-white tempo deck with Triumph of St. Catherine, but then I like goldfished a bit, and I just can't bring myself to cast cantrips and do more <laughs> stuff, so... I think I'm going to be welding some Defilers yeah, tomorrow. Yeah, nice. Oh, Defiler, that's the... the I just loaded it up on Scrapple yeah, against the Chaos, Chaos Defiler. Defiler. destroys yeah. like a random permanent your opponent controls It's or not something. random. It's... In multiplayer, it's a random opponent. But in in one-on-one, -on -one, you just get to pick one of their permanents and it dies. It's just Winnicate. It doesn't even target. Well, it doesn't, tar it doesn't target as well. Oh, And it's whenever okay. it ETBs or dies. And so when you weld it out, it dies as well. It's It kills a lot yeah. of shit. I wish it killed lands. And like it's cheap <laughs> enough to be castable. Yeah. So like I found with Fable, you can cast five drops. Yeah. It's pretty cool. Yeah. So yeah, I got two of them. And you know, the, the ability is not an amazing name. It's called Battle Cannon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Battle Cannons. It, a, they're all real things in the game as well. Like it's a, it's a real oh, gun it? in 40k. Yeah. It would, I think like we, we've been super critical for uh, with results and we'll probably continue to do that. But that <laughs> Warhammer set, man, that's the shit. I love it so much i am 
I've even got actually I've got a pile of 40k cards that I've ordered to build an EDH deck that's all themed about the, the Warhammer stuff. I mean, I've I've talked about it on the cast a bunch of times. I'm a massive 40k nerd as well, so I don't know. I'm head over heels in love with the set. So yeah. Add me, Andy. Do you play 40k as well? Uh, I don't. I've, I've dabbled a little in the past, but no, not a lot. Okay, okay. Because I was wondering. Then I guess only Callum can answer, because I'm I'm so fascinated with the lore. Mm -hmm. Tell me. What would be the best place, fraction, whatever to live? Like if you're just like a normal citizen. There's not. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh God, part, okay. part of the 40k law is there's no good guys. They're all bad guys. So even the Imperium, which is like the quote unquote good oh, they, people. They seem pretty horrible from what I've seen. They are horrible as well. Um, <laughs> so all normal citizens live in these places called hive cities. And they're just subject to awful lives. Um, they just... Slave, and that's just slave like no away. democracy or anything. It's just like, there's just no hope of ever getting. I mean, out there's there. the emperor. Okay, I get it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so is it, because I googled this and they there was some backlash against um uh, what's it called Games Workshop mm -hmm. because they allegedly introduced like a good faction, but then they they weren't as good. I, I don't know. Uh, so Leagues of Votan is a new army that's come recently. That's probably them. So. I don't know if when you say good, do you mean like power in the game or no, 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 like the, the good guys. Okay, so leagues of Votan are like space dwarfs essentially. Um, they're meant to be the good guys um, for the greater good is kind of the thing. Or this Tau as well. Tau are like yeah, yeah, space that's, communists. That's the name. That's the yeah. name. Yeah, exactly. Tau, space communists. Okay. Ooh, sign me up. Yeah. Okay. Tau. Yeah. Tau. Their thing is for the greater good, and they believe they're doing the world right. But like, and they're protecting themselves by. They shoot a lot. It's their thing. They have lots of guns. <laughs> they didn't get okay. a commander. As long as they're not buying Twitter. They're they're all like kind of weird fish people. And they name all of their aircrafts like mantas <laughs> and piranhas and stuff. Did they get a commander so. deck or no? No, they didn't actually. No. So the commander decks were like the Force of Chaos, which is a big overarching thing. The Force of the Imperium, which is a big overarching thing. And then Tyranids, where Morlock is from, yeah. obviously. I have a real life model of Morlock nice. as well, I've got to say. It's... It's not very good, but <laughs> um, not as good as the, the magic mm -hmm. one. But yeah, uh, I'll get you. I'll get you an army soon, Julian. Like, I'll, I mean, I'll find you one. I don't know what you. But well, I'm I'm playing the what, what are they called? Like the space zombies, the artifact space zombies. I oh, don't Necrons. The name. Yeah. Necrons. Yeah, that deck is insane. Yeah, I played a, an EDH game where I got the chaos deck last week against a friend Simo. He was playing the Necron one, where it was a classic. I just can't do multiplayer. My brain just turns <laughs> off, and I get immediately mm -hmm. bored even if stuff's going on i just i don't know something about it but we were playing with another friend and they both have soul ring and i don't i'm just like okay land go land go and then they just both fight each yeah. other and then everything dies a few times loads of board wipes and then eventually i won it's just like a very <laughs> different game it's like a board game but yeah yeah uh you know you know what actually something that's that's I mean, I've said I've made my peace with EDH for like, I also like, I can't get into like the, the competitive. I, I, I honestly believe that actual multiplayer EDH is probably a better thing than the competitive one on one EDH, even though I love one on one EDH, but the French commander one. Mm -hmm. But as soon as you have like stuff like Soaring and Monocrypt involved, I just like I can't take that seriously. Yeah. But, but I've made my peace with multiplayer EDH in the sense that it's a board game. Yeah. And that's totally. literally how you treat it. And Brian Kibler said something really good about, uh, about how he builds EDH decks on Humans of Magic. Like I only saw the clip that James uploaded. And he, he said that when he builds an EDH deck, that's that to him, to him. That's like a lesson in, in, in game design. 
like you you want to design a game that's gonna be fun and compatible with what your opponents are doing or like it, it doesn't even like need to be your opponents more like your co-players or whatever are doing mm -hmm. uh, i guess they're still opponents but it's it's more like a lesson game design but yeah I, yeah I would probably never build like actively build a four player multiplayer deck but these these precons I'm, I'm super happy about well those. that makes sense so the the cards that i ordered are all from the chaos one and they're all themed around one part of chaos which is an army that i play as well so it's zenich and they're like the dark magicians and wizards and stuff and so the whole deck is going to be themed around fire and time and space and things that are fluffy for them as well so it's going to be very very mid-powered and i can just do something silly and then you know go for a drink or whatever <laughs> but yeah <laughs> cool yeah before we wrap up i did want to just touch on um francis, you want to talk deck. About francis deck right yes yeah. yeah i've got it open in front of me because we played he then went 8-1 and uh top eight it as well and um he lost to Elves Testacular. So congrats, Testacular, for listening. Friend of the podcast as well. Um, he lost a quarters 1-2 to him. But this deck, I think, is incredibly good as well and a bit of slept on. So he's been tinkering and tinkering with it. And it's like, so it plays three Stoneforge in the college, as we mentioned earlier. But then, as we were talking about before, he doesn't have the recruiters like was in the list from Etc. He doesn't play Yorian or Vials and stuff as Javier does. It's very focused on comboing. So he has, I'll read through this, 20 lands, three of which are Urza's Sagas. So Urza's Saga targets as just two Shukos. That's the only target in the deck for them. There's no uh, retrofit of foundry or value getting just literally. It's always getting a Shuko. Um, there's three Nomads in core. There's four Brainstorm, four Ponder, one Cabal Therapy to, part, to be part of the combo. Three Stoneforges, four Severed Illusionist, four Days, uh, three Narcomoeba, again part of the combo, the Oracle. Three Teferi, Time Raveler. One Dread Return as custom. Four Force of Will, the Calder Complete, and then two Step Through, which is what we said is the one thing with Wizard Cycling. So that can either go and get the Thassa's Oracle or the Cephalid Illusionist. He says that comes up a lot where you already have the combo and you're like, you need to be Endurance. So you just, uh, you get the combo and play with Nomads and Cephalid Illusionist. Then you go and get the Thassa's Oracle naturally. So they can't like Dread Return it. Um, but you can also beat that with Kabar Therapy. And the sideboard, he just has, like, you know, interaction. He's got three swords, three spismatic ending, two force of negation, uh, hydroblast and two blue elemental blasts, two fluster storms and two surgicals. So I love how this deck is built. Like, you can build uh, Breakfast to be, you know, this very good grindy deck that sometimes wins out of nowhere. But he's just had, like, very, very good success with this deck being a combo deck. Um yeah, I just you know I love that the stack actually has made a return and it's mm. pretty much pretty much Javier who has put it back on the map, right? Like yeah, half well, a year or a year ago or something. Yeah, he's been playing. He always plays it now, I think, but he plays quite a different version to this. As in, like he plays. Yeah, Yorian he does like all, like, you like all the Yorian stuff and yeah. everything. Yeah, and then yeah. he has like Palace Jailer and. I mean, but he, he just like reinvigorated like people working on the deck in the first place. Yeah, I guess that. true. Yeah, true, true. Because that's just like the, that was a deck when I started playing Legacy. That oh, was yeah. like a deck and you ran into it and you were like, oh, yeah, yeah, Cephalid Breakfast, sure, I played against that. <laughs> uh, but but then for like a period of like over a decade, it, it was like completely gone from the format. Yeah. And, and nobody ever played it. And now we are back here in 2022 and Cephalid yeah. Illusionist is a card again. Francis yeah. me with this in Elite the other day. I'm a big fan of this oh, deck. Did he? It's super sweet. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's I mean, like... there's leagues of players out there who don't even know what the activated ability of Cephalid <laughs> Illusionist does. Pretty do you, sure. Do you? Uh, it's basically fog for the creature it blocks in itself, like Maze of Earth, right? Yeah, yeah. It's like one in a blue tap, you can fog something. Yeah. Cool. But yeah, I just wanted to bring that up because I'm sure there's some fans of breakfast out there. I mean, everyone loves a good breakfast. <laughs> but um, 
yeah, I think the deck is amazing. And you're probably... it's. I don't think it's kind of like a deck that screams powerful, so you're not going to like see lots of grinders pick it up, but I think it's very, very oh, good. I don't know, man. I, I'm feeling pretty... Like, I'm actually considering this for, for the, the Legacy Eternal Masters. Dude, I can't remember. What's it called? Eternal Legacy Masters? <laughs> European, European Legacy Masters. That's, see, that's why I get it wrong in my head. It's always <laughs> Eternal, but it's European Legacy Masters. Cool. Yeah, yeah. I, it's really good. I'm I'm pretty sure I'm locked into Painter for that, so... Oh, I bet. Yeah. I bet. Everyone can hear it here. Yeah. Is, is there anything like in your painter deck that you want to upgrade, like visual wise? I need to get some nice bolts eventually. I just have like. Oh, please don't tell me you're playing like M10 or something. No, no, I have FBB, but they're like really beat up mm. in Spanish. Um, I mean, I, I, okay. FBB, yeah, I like. Yeah. I mean, you, you can barely upgrade any further, like less beta, I guess. I mean, assuming you're going non foil. Yeah, yeah. I don't like foils. I never have. And I always yeah. like old border where possible, original printing where possible. So it's 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 going to. So swap. you're not gonna play that full art foil promo? <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. No, I mean the only I think really the upgrades are um, I need to get the new Thorn of Amethyst sketches when they come out. Ooh, dude, like all that stuff. Like I, I was so so sad that Brothers War, like all these these old frame promos, that there's no Painter Servant. But I'm pretty sure it's gonna be there eventually at some <sighs> point. It's just like what? It hasn't even been re- has it ever been reprinted? No. Well, oh, there's a, a masterpiece. And, okay, yeah, and I guess that one printing. exists. Yeah, so it's it's so expensive because it's that. Yeah, it's really time for it to come back. Yes, I, it's going to be a judge promo next year, but is it? Yeah, it's been announced that next year it'll be one of the judge promos. Is it going to be old frame? We don't know. There's a chance, but I don't know if they do foil and non-foil as well. So mm, I hope okay, it's not okay. foil. Yeah, yeah. So it would need to be like in a normal set to not. The, these like... sketches, a painter of these sketches, would have been my just my dream. Yeah, yeah. Imagine if they actually took your Twitter picture, like that that uh, AI generated one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think Jasper <laughs> made that. Oh wow. Cool. So yeah, um, you you feel like that that version that Francis has built of Suffolk Breakfast is like really really good. Yeah, I think so. Really. Uh, now I want to play really that. <laughs> That's just like too... play Val- play Valica. To <laughs> play Valica. Have, like... God, just going to play <laughs> to yeah, and that. your combo deck is so nice. Yeah, yeah. it's uh, it's just like it. Yeah, it gives you such peace of mind, yeah. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> I mean that's why it's so addicting to a lot of people. Mm-hmm. I guess it's just like even if you play it in the blue mirrors, it's just like yeah. And Teferi's he's always like not great as a combat protection piece because lots of combos are either clunky or are playing more expensive things. But the curve of this deck is so yeah. low that like that is the top of your curve. It's great. You know, I wonder if the life gains ever gonna come back. Like I don't even remember what the cards are. That's just like the what. Uh, the life deck. Um, you mean where you play like Starlet Sanctum, where you can like sacrifice a creature and gain life. And it's... oh yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, the there's a three mana cleric, and you... and when it requires the target, it gets plus zero, plus three. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. I don't remember the name of it. I can't. It's, it's so long ago. I literally don't. The other one was Daru Spiritualist. Was part of it. Oh yeah, yeah, that works as well. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe that's actually the one. <laughs> okay, you heard it here first. So Andy's valicating people's faces off. Francis is squidding. I'm painting, and Julian's like, "Yes, Dara <laughs> spiritualist. That's my that's my go-to." <laughs> I want to get. Wait, 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 wait. You know what is a cleric? White plume adventurer. Now we're talking. <laughs> I was going to say I want to gain like a bazillion life or something. Uh, <laughs> I, okay. I remember I won. I once played a match, and I don't remember what it was, but it, I had an infinite life combo that just happened to be there. Hmm. I think it might have been like some kind of pot deck, like with with modern pot, right? You could oh, yeah, gain infinite yeah. life. Yeah. And I named something like I don't know a Gogoplex or whatever, and the guy was playing Murfolk, 
and like on his turn like he he eventually he wrestled me down and i like my my pot broke but but i mean i had too much life he couldn't win he would die <laughs> but i could see on his turn once he had actually regained control he was like thinking <laughs> and at some point i was like what are you thinking about he's like how big is that number actually <laughs> <laughs> the biggest number I, I literally told him okay let's imagine we had all your merfolk and play on the first turn and you get to attack me like for 43 <laughs> times you, you don't even like scratch the surface uh, it's like okay scoop go to him too <laughs> i remember a, a ptq game against a pod i used to be a jun guy in modern this is like 10 Ooh, okay. this is when like goif was amazing i uh played against pod who gained infinite life and i counted decks and he had like three less cards so i was like okay well i'm just gonna survive we had like 40 something cards left so we played the whole game out where i didn't play a single dark confident because i couldn't go down cards more and so i played two battle skulls on my deck because why not jund and i put like <laughs> both battle skulls on tarmoglyphs and was able to like remove the rest of their combo pieces for murderous red cap and deck them out <laughs> <laughs> oh man yeah, yeah that's, that was that's also amazing. a piece of you where what I thought was a win in, but I ended up coming ninth. I got to beat uh, like the Amulet Titan deck, but they used to play Hive Mind as well because they had uh, Summer Bloom. They played a turn one uh, Hive Mind with an Azusa, but then bounced all their lands to so then kill me the next turn when they Talaria West for like a pack to kill me. But I had a one-off Slaughter Pack to my deck and and had it, so I killed their Azusa. <laughs> they copied the Slaughter Pack and then oh died in upkeep. <laughs> <laughs> oh, old one. Anyway. Yeah. So before we conclude, by the way, I want to give big shout outs to Schultz Cube on Archie Lance, who actually oh, took yes. down the entire showcase qualifier. Yeah. Shout outs to Tim. He's he's he kind of quit for a bit and he said he, yeah, yeah, I was actually surprised to see his name yeah. back again. And I was watching because I think he lost an early round and then just didn't lose for like ten rounds or something. So he, he might have actually literally lost the first round, if I remember correctly. Could be. Could be. Yeah. It was definitely <laughs> one of the early ones. That's so, quite the comeback. Yeah. So yeah, nice one, Tim. Cool. So I think we're going to wrap it up here, guys. Um, if you want to support Everyday Channel directly, you can do so on April... April, April. See, that's what I try to like read two lines at the same time. I shouldn't record <laughs> the slide. <laughs> you can support us on patreon.com slash everydaychannel or you can go on Apple Podcasts. You log in, you leave a review, five stars. Thank you very much. Uh, it's going to bring world peace and also make it sure that other people are going to be able to discover the podcast. So thank you so much for that. Uh, if you want to find us, you can find us on at EternalMTG on Instagram and Twitter. You can find me at itsjulian23 on Twitter and itsjulian on Twitch. Callum, where can people find you? You've actually streamed quite a bit again, right? Mm, did it once, I think. <laughs> oh, okay. I just happened to catch <laughs> it. I liked it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I'm at CallumSmithMTG on Twitter. Everywhere. Yeah, oh, my um, God. just like amazing. Just tw yeah, Twitter and Twitch, I think. Awesome. Andy, where can people find you? Uh, I'm not really anywhere, but you can see me at the next uh, London Legacy Monthly on Saturday. Hell okay. yeah. <laughs> Did you actually like, are you actually able to live that life of not being available anywhere? That's, you're, you're not looking Love back. That, that's well, quite something. I mean, I'm on Facebook, but like, uh, yeah, I don't really like tweet or Instagram or anything. You just like go ahead, you break formats and win tournaments, and then you show up on podcasts. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like, it's like the, the assassin goes in, breaks something, and then just runs away. I'm just glad that people are having fun with the legacy. Oh, yeah. that's, you know, that's a very healthy approach. I mean, in legacy, there's a lot of like, oh, I want to take credit for this. I want to take credit for that. You need to credit me for this on Twitter. I invented <laughs> the stack. It's just like if somebody's like, you know, I just like, I, I want to play the decks I love and, and want people to have fun with them. And that's it. Like, 
I don't need to go on Twitter and like tell everybody that I created the stack. It's just like, yeah, cool. I've been kind of feeding Andy the, the feedback, yeah, especially from the Applejacks. <laughs> I was like, because I, I tweeted about it and then like Anarog was streaming. I was like, look, look what's happening. And like people all around the world are playing Applejacks now. <laughs> it's all your fault. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe I, I might need to go back to that at some point. It's so I haven't played it in a while. It's, That's a but, lot of fun as well. Yeah. It's so fun. Yeah. By the way, as I say this, I keep calling Callum that uh, the painter guy and try to give him all the credit in the world for painter. But I, I guess it's something different if, if somebody else does it for you, right? If, if you don't like, go yeah. actively out there and claim it. Yeah. I I still think like Jack Kitchen is the the painter guy. But yeah. that, that's how it felt, how it felt for me. Like when when people were always like talking to me about elves and everything. And I was like, was thinking, oh, you know, there were like so many people before me who, whom I looked up to for Fs. And I, I mean, yeah, I guess that's that's usually how it goes, right? If, if you come into a deck and, and you learn from the masters and then people like learn about you and they feel like you're the guy. And I'm like, no, I'm just like, how would you call it? Like I'm standing on the shoulders. I'm of just Chinese. an elf fan. <laughs> <laughs> a tiny little word yeah. trying to make it work. <laughs> so yeah. many people actually make this podcast work. Not only our hosts, but also our supporters. Uh, whether you're on uh, any of our tiers, but especially on our Eternal Witness tier, like Tommy Hinks, Testacular, Top 8 in the Showcase Challenge, Sebastian Holaga, Guillaume, Hannah Wife, Sean Dewey, Francis Cowper, another Top 8, Cassandra Davis, Benedict Gruber runs the Etc. Eternal, Severin Schwarzubert, another Top 8 in the Etc. Dude, everybody, like, you listen to the podcast, you support this podcast, like, Top eights left and right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <much>. Yes. <laughs> Even more so, who's, who else is there? We have our Grizzlebrand here. Victor Benatz, Bachubat, Scott Monroe, Jeremy Gates, Henry Cockwoods, Tom Hepp, Andrew Whitman, and Paragon Games in St. Louis. No top eights for the Grizzlebrand here. I don't know, man. Maybe people are going to downgrade to Eternal Witness tier now. And gonna maybe, <laughs> that's, maybe that's, that's how it works, Holy. Totally. We're actually like <laughs> slipping loads of different advice to that tier. <laughs> <laughs> Secretly on, on, on another yeah. secret channel, yeah. <laughs> cool. So... Uh, how are things going to work going forward? I'm actually going to go to Kenya until the end of the month. I'm, I'm basically returning on the Tuesday before Eternal Legacy. I keep calling it fucking <laughs> European Legacy Masters. Uh, I kind of want to record an episode from Kenya. Uh, the internet should be good enough, but we will figure it out. We I, I, would it. Really, I would really love to record an episode yeah. from Kenya. I've never done it. Yeah. Well, Elim, we're, pl- we're fighting for second place because Andy's going first, right? <laughs> oh, oh. In the team, uh, oh, we're actually playing both, right? We're gonna play, yeah, the team yeah. And we're, oh. oh, yeah. Andy's playing the main, 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 and you're coming to teams as well, Andy. Uh, I don't think so. Like, uh, okay, yeah, I think I'm probably just gonna go for the Saturday, I suspect, but I'm not sure. I still need to book flights and stuff. Fair enough. Imagine if you if you actually played a team event where one plays like Abertrax, Naya Depth, uh, Naya Stumpy, and the other <laughs> one is playing Walakut, just like is in, it, in, is it in modern, modern legacy, legacy vintage, yeah, just, oh, just Valakut in all three, why not? Just, <laughs> yeah, just yeah, all that's slightly harder. <laughs> you can play a fast one, Valakut and Vintage, right? Oh, with the mill, with the crab. You can play apple, uh, uh, Crab Shack. Yeah, Crab Shack. That's the mill deck, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, it, kill, it, it kills like... with like the black enchantment. There's something Hadra. You know, with Vintage, like you, you can have like the craziest combo decks, and that's just oh yeah. And we have this like seven mana enchantment from Ice Age, <laughs> and this is how we win. We figured out it's the most efficient way. It's okay. It's I'm only a three mana enchantment. You can cast it off Black Lotus. <laughs> I mean, it's Vintage, man. Yeah. Okay. 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 <laughs> this marks in like three mana and Vintage is more like one mana on Legacy. Yeah, basically, you can do whatever. 
<laughs> cool. So, Andy, once again, thanks a lot for coming on, yeah, telling us, teaching us about. No problem. I was gonna say like the gospel of Andy, but that's just like I, I haven't even tried, had any wine yet, <laughs> <laughs> and I probably shouldn't because it's like one in the morning by now. Oh my god! Yeah, no, this is a lot of fun. Thanks for having me. Thank you, guys. See you, everybody. Bye bye. Ciao.